0: Well, it's a new financial year. There's been a lot of rushing uh, to, <laughs> to cash in on um, the, the tax advantage uh, for the last financial year. And, um, and we've got the June sales results. So it's going to be an action packed auto catch up this week. And um, yeah, we're glad that you can uh, join the ride. This week we've got uh, Joel Strickland back, welcome again, and uh, Mick McWilliams. good to have you guys back. Ahoy. Thanks Ash. <laughs> and uh, look, it's uh, been a bit of a busy group it seems, uh, what have you been up to Joel? So I had the Magan, last
1: Friday I talked about picking up the, the Magan RS trophy and what a week I have had in that thing. That is so much fun. Uh, I've
0: been a little bit jealous. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's uh, it's pretty cool. Um, I picked it up Friday, we chatted Friday night, I had a bit of a drive on Friday but Sunday a uh, mate and I decided to get out and um, do a bit of explore down the down the peninsula and took it for a bit of a a fun run through uh down through the the mornington peninsula and yeah that was uh that was amazing to 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 spend some time behind the wheel of that thing um i've wanted to drive a magana RS for a while because i've heard such good things about them um i was lucky to do a track day with Renault earlier in the year and, and photograph it but watching them all drive past and everything. I was very, very keen to get behind the wheel and drive one. And I tell you what, the the Magan R S does not disappoint. Um Rena have done amazing job. I drove an, an earlier generation Megane um, sort of GT line. Esque model, um, but the RS is just something special. Um, look, look, where do I start? The, the engine thing is brilliant, the gearbox is awesome, the engine note, the exhaust, um, the just just the way it drives on road. Um, the look, oh, I fell in love with the look of it. Oh, this thing was in the bright yellow, as I discussed last week. Mm. Uh, it, it looks amazing. Um, it drives so well. The tires in it are, are amazing. Um, yeah, look, it, it, it's just, just brilliant. I, I could not, stop smiling when i drove it um the the one thing that really got me is it's so livable you could use it as a daily driver and you can take it to the track um being a trophy it's designed to you know for that sort of stuff but the the engine management system or the the modes that this thing's been designed to do is just brilliant you can drive it in full race or you know there's a full race mode for for track which obviously turns pretty much everything off and and but i drove most of it in sport or even a a personal setting. You can customise it to your own personal um, choices. So I had most of the stuff on a fairly sort of medium level and then had the exhaust a bit louder and, and a couple of the other things, um, which is great fun when you want to take it out into the road and have a bit of a, a bit of a fun spirited drive. Hmm. But I like to be kind to my neighbours when I come home of an afternoon or an evening um, and there's a comfort and, a, and, a, and a, a sort of a neutral mode and it literally turns it down so it's quieter, you can drive into the driveway, it's quiet, it doesn't have the backfire. So when you're driving through your suburb streets, you can have that ability to to wind it down a notch. Kind of like what Ford have done with the Mustang and some of its exhaust modes and things like that. So yeah. Reno's done really, really well with that um, uh, yeah we, we when we had took it for the drive on the weekend it was pretty amazing the the um, even the economy when you're driving it quick it was in the nines um, you know on the freeway you wow, see it good. it see it doing twos and threes when it's just up on the you know on the highway plane Um yeah, I was really, really impressed with the, the with the way that it drove. The range was anywhere, you know, in in the range of probably four to five hundred k's. Um, has looks like it has about the same sort of size tank as what my. Um my daily has in probably, you know, that sort of 50-litre um, sort of style size tank. Um, mm-hmm. I got my final average when I dropped it yep. back this morning. My average was nine litres per 100 k's. Um, that's pretty healthy that, for that type of car. Yeah, it is. And, and that's the thing is that it's kind of um, what it'll do in terms of when, depending on how you want to drive it, Um and for a car that's you know sort of fifty five grand, um, that's running sort of nineteen inch rims, it's 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 a comfortable car. Like the beauty thing is, is that Renault have updated their models. And put in the the awesome R Link system with the screen, so it's got the same touchscreen as the Coliós um, now. Um, mm-hmm. So it's uh, actually no, I'm wrong. The screen's bigger in the Magan compared to the Coliós. I thought it was slightly different. So it's 8.7 inch screen, which is absolutely brilliant with everything. It's right in front of you. Um, the mode being able to change. Uh, the one thing I loved about it is that it's got a really, really good um, uh, cruise system in terms of being able to just set it and forget it. Uh, it'll, it'll um, adjust accordingly. The weird thing I noticed about it, though, is that below fifty k's an hour, it won't do um, that cruise. You have to put it into like a speed limit mode. So there's a button mm. in the in the center console to change between those. Uh, yeah, yeah. But in using it, it's actually really, really quite good because there's a couple of roadworks areas um, out on the route that I was driving it on, and you just literally stick it into the speed limit, stick it at forty where these where these roadworks are, and you can just literally sit it, and it works really, really well. And that you basically just feather the feather the, the throttle, and it'll hold it at that forty. I mean, Victoria loves their speed cameras mm, and whatever else, so
2: not, we're just talking about this.
1: It's it's great. It's yeah, really really good.
2: So maybe you can do that Ash in the cuz you've got the Camry this week. Yeah. We're talking about it this afternoon that the smart cruise control doesn't work below 40. And we're like, why would you not make it work (laughs) below 40? Because, Mm. you know, you want to keep your eyes up and look for kids and Mm. stuff when you're in a school zone. But yeah, obviously, you've got the the limit option. Maybe you can give that a crack.
0: The limit option is great. And it's really, really good. I got caught out this week um, when I was actually driving home from picking the car up uh, along Kingsford Smith Drive. Um, There's quite a bit of construction going on at the moment. And so it's down to 40 kilometers an hour. And. I actually forgot that we had that conversation, uh, Mick. And um, so I go set the cruise (laughs) and and I'm like, (laughs) cool. And all of a sudden, I was behind a car and they were doing 40. And I was like, okay, cool. Yep, that's great. Because the dash isn't super clear, it's a bit it's a bit busy for, for my liking in terms of how it displays some of the info. Right. And so I thought the speed I was doing was the speed that I had set it at and that kind of thing. And it wasn't until that car had moved out of the way that I shot up to 45kph an hour. And it's I'm starting like, accelerating. Yeah. What, what am I doing? This is meant, this is meant to be at 40 But then I realized and then it clicked that we had that conversation literally like half an hour beforehand. And I was like, ah, oh, yep. right. That's a bit annoying. Um, yeah. So yeah. So what did you, you, can't you think, even get Joel? Through school zones? Joel, with your,
2: you didn't find those um, licorice thin. What are they? Thirty-five profile, nineteen. Yeah,
1: look there. They look. They were, you do feel it. Like, my my street
2: is not the
1: best. Um, I notice it in my daily that it is really rough, um, and you really notice it on rough roads. You really notice it with these well, thinner, you know, these nineteen-inch yep. um, Bridgestone tires, but. Like I could live with it. Like uh, it was a car that I could drive. I found that I could drive it as a daily. I would. I found that even though it is tough with the suspension, the comfort mode does soften it off a little bit. Um, Yeah. But it is. You're not going to avoid
2: it with 19s,
1: yeah. No, with 19s it makes it hard. but they're very very low profile tires. But the thing that really impressed me with this system, and I kind of had forgotten about it until it rejogged my memory, because it's it's written on the car, and it's weird to have. It kind of feels a little bit 80s and 90s where you put... A special thing. It's kind of like Commodore's Mick. Remember the old RTS badge, radial tune suspension yeah. stuff on the Commodores? Well, this has got four-control, which is a four-wheel steering system. Um, and and next oh. to on the B-pillar on the car, there's a four-control badge. And I'd driven an earlier Megane that had this system and, and was really impressed by it. And when we actually did the filming, that, that, that previous Megane, we put a camera on the rear wheel and you could actually see that Pivot and turn with the four-wheel steering system. Um, right. The thing that really blew me away, that I really noticed, that was the um, tu- the um, the turning uh, radius of this thing is brilliant with this four control. You can turn it almost on a dime. It's that good. And it was funny when I was shooting yeah, some right. stuff. When I took this drive on Sunday, we, we stopped to take some photos, and I was moving the car. And the guy that was helping me on the day said, "Oh, I could see it. I could actually see it moving." Um, you know, it was it was really cool.
2: Yeah, that's really that handy sense. for the performance hatches, isn't it? Because yeah. that's always been the compromise. You get wide rubber, you get a rubbish turning circle, mm. and your front wheel drive. It's already not the best, and it, so, right.
3: it
1: does it does yeah. really well. And the thing is, we went out early on the Sunday morning, and it was cold, and it actually struggled a little bit in the in the cooler weather. I reckon there was a bit of dew down because it was actually about two degrees when we left my place on Sunday, and it was cold when we went down the peninsula, and I reckon that it struggled a little bit. It was a little bit slippy. Um, um but it still handled yeah. the power really well like this you, you don't get that real axle tramp um you know the wheel spins not is there a little bit but yeah. it's not really really obvious so this the whole system is designed really well but the finish of this thing like with the napa leather throughout and the Alcantara through the seats the seats are really comfy we spent you know pretty much half a day, Constant time in the in the car. I gave it. wasn't really sore. Um, heated seats, which was great when it was a bit cooler. Uh, but the thing I love about the the Renault, besides the um the the, the the cruise system in it which is brilliant when driving in traffic you can really set and forget and then it, if it if it needs to disengage or it has an issue it warns you it beeps and says it's disengaged and you look at the dash and see that it's turned itself off to remind that you need to sort of take over in that respect but the hands-free entry and exit is brilliant like it's so good you literally leave the key in your pocket you get out of the car you walk away it locks you go back to unlock the car and whether you're getting into the boot the front seat or any of the other seats in the car, you literally have to stick your hand into the door handle, grab the door handle, and open it, and it will actually unlock any of the doors or push the release button in the boot, and that is just golden. Like in being just getting it out of the car, you don't, have to, you don't have to think about it. Like the key, I literally forgot that I had it because you get home of a night, throw it, put take it out and put it in the wherever you keep your keys, and you don't you don't see it the entire time. You literally leave it in your pocket, and you don't have to worry about it. Push button start. Um, yep. Yeah, like I was super super impressed by it. As I said, so livable. Um, you know, the the power of the thing is is just absolutely brilliant. It's you know, it's two hundred kilowatts, four hundred you know, uh, newton meters of torque, uh, fifty five grand, six speed. Um, it, it's brilliant. Like it, it kind of. What is that? Dri- two liter, is it? One point six. That's uh, a one point eight. It's a 1.8, 1.8 okay. litre turbo. Like it is unbelievable. But the thing I did notice about it is if you if you're driving it, you know, if you're using it as a daily and you're doing highway Ks, just leave it in a in a comfort or one of the other modes because it's um it's just easier to drive on the freeway when it's in a comfort mode. It, just, it drops gears. But like it's it's yeah. it's automatic. It's it's a um, it's not manual. It's a dual clutch. DCT or, yeah. It, it, but it's brilliant. Like, it's so good. I said to, to my mate when I went on, we went on the weekend, I said, how good is it that it literally shifts without you thinking, particularly on the downshifts when you're braking at traffic lights and stuff like that? But then even when you're driving on the freeway, it, it'll literally drive and it's sensing what you're doing. And it'll go, oh, well, you're on the freeway. I'll drop it in sixth. Um, and it just cruises. It is so good. Yeah. It's probably one of the best dual clutches that I reckon that I've driven. Um, and, you know, I, I was a massive fan of the Focus RS um, and I rave at that for months. But after driving this, I get it. I, I really get it. Yeah, I no. can see. Oh, look, it's different. They, the, the, yeah. the, 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 the Focus is manual. Um, This was auto. This you can live with every day. And this would be something I would buy. If I wanted a hot hatch that I wanted to take to the track of a weekend, go and do a hill climb or just drive, you know, twisty roads or whatever, I would buy this because it is so much fun to drive. And it's got the character of being able to change it. Like the, the fact that I can come home late at night, Put it in, so I went out and did some night photography of it during the week. I came home back into my street. I turned it into the quiet mode. I could sneak into the driveway. Not quite as good as say Forrester or the XV Subaru that has the hybrid, which goes into a <laughs> full it, be electric, big, yeah. and you can do you can do that. But this is brilliant. Like, but the boot space. I couldn't. I took stuff today because I, I switched over into the the Colios today. But I filled stuff with what I needed to do to shoot later in the day with the Coliost. I put it all in the back of the Magan. It all went back into the the with more space. But still, the Magan has got really, really good boot space. Um, it doesn't have a spare. Yeah, right. It is again that same thing of being the goo um, and the and yep. the compressor. So look, you know, it's a bit hard. But
2: it, I was thinking about that today actually. The goo. So let's say you put the goo in. Um, and it does the job, keeps the tyre inflated until you get to a repair centre to replace the tyre or whatever. What happens with the goo? Like, does the goo... Is it like a mongrel to take off? I'd like to hear from a tire fitter or something yeah. to hear about. I should I, I what should ask my guys stuff. does it set hard or foam or what is it is it just a gooey
1: I'll ask I'll put it on my list of things to do. I'll ask the guys at Mobile Tire Shop who I, I, I know that they've probably dealt with it, so I'll ask them and get their feedback. that yeah, be Basically
0: in the past when I've had to deal with it, it's that's that's it. You need a new tire. Yeah. Um,
2: Oh, I understand. I, the
1: I don't know if that's. You, but,
0: what's... but I don't know if that's sort of gone.
2: I,
1: from what I'm led to believe, it makes a mess in
3: yeah,
1: terms of what it yeah. does. Um, but look, look. In terms of it, like the, there's lots, lots, lots of space inside, um, comfy to, to see and drive. Yeah, um, I'd be. You own one, obviously. Look, uh, yeah, make... <laughs> I definitely own one. I don't know whether I'd have. I, I haven't. I meant to share the photos with you guys um before tonight but in uh, at one stage i walked out to the car during um during the week to do something and i kind of noticed it when i was out photographing it the other day but it's an it's a uh, magnet for flies for those little buggy flies because it's yellow oh, really? they think it's a plant or something i walked out the other day and it was covered <laughs> in these little insect <laughs> flies so um I meant to have a look, at, again, bad me for not researching before tonight, but I'm intrigued to see the other <laughs> colour options it comes in. So you um,
0: nickname it the Bug Catcher.
1: Well, yeah, the, the, the liquid yellow is stunning and it's a really yeah. good colour. And a friend, my friend who I went with on Sunday, we were chatting about it the whole time, looking, thinking about how good a colour it was. And in the sunlight, it absolutely pops there's this beautiful metallic underneath. But I'd be intrigued to see what other colour options it comes in. Um, mm-hmm. For that, so, yeah. There's, so, a,
0: there's a really burnt orange one that lives just around the corner of me, and I...
1: there is the one I see as well all the time yeah. in that burnt engine and
0: looks great. The
1: orange is nice, but I actually prefer the yellow over the orange. But I'd be intrigued to see if they do like the standard uh, Magan. I'd be interested to see if they do like a blue um, mm. or something like that, um, because I think that um, here we go, Magan Sport. Oh, where is it? They always had to find to find the colours, but yeah, I, I, um, yeah, look, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Into so they do it in a white the white tissue I very and the good thing the other thing which is really nice it's got these I think real- if you're
0: buying I think if you are buying one of these cars you need to just accept the fact that you need a bright color and you know that's
1: yeah so I that's, reckon a,
0: that's a new life you've accepted you so there's liquid yellow this and sort of then of
1: tonic orange is the one you're talking about Mick and they do a diamond black And then, obviously, the pearl white. I actually like the pearl white.
0: Mm. pearl white is nice. I've been a big fan of the pearl white, so they always just look a little bit off. Maybe it's uh, the the Queensland sun. um, That just makes Mm. them look a little bit funny.
2: I've always loved metallic whites. It's probably my Mm. favourite colour, actually, Yeah,
0: for most cars. So, this thing also has... I'll be on my own there. I'll I'll (laughs) be buying my sword right there. But it
1: also has these uh, red accents on the wheels So it's got red calipers, but also got these red accents on a couple of the spokes on the wheels. Um, But it looks really, really good on just looking on Renault's website. The pearl white with those red accents—that might be my pick. I think um, because it's strangely saying that.
2: How'd you go with the clearance of the nose? It, wasn't,
1: it was is It was better it, than
2: I is thought. Is it gutter high? It was is really it gutter good. high. Like, can you park in a car park and look? You I'm. In front I of
1: you was really house. cautious all week. I, I yep. was probably over cautious in terms of parking and stuff like that, making sure that I was sort of miles away with stuff. And if I saw any kind of alert from the, the parking system, I kind of stopped. Um, but driving it out of my driveway, I was my driveway's is a little bit low, so I, I was very cautious with it. But. I don't reckon it's yep. as low as I thought it was. Um, it was pretty good. It was probably good.
0: not as low as the Supra where I, I couldn't even take it to the car wash that I normally go to yeah, because of the rail. It was, um, and the guy came in and was like, is this stuck? And I'm like, I sure hope so. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, so it couldn't it couldn't fit on uh, the standard height rail that they feed the car onto to actually have it go through the um, yeah right. the, the belt which the people then work the ca- on the car. So, mm. um, that was oh, the, did you
2: have to wash it yourself? That's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Look, it was going for a photo shoot the next day, so I wanted to make sure that all the bugs uh, from right. the uh, rural trip were, were off well and good. Uh, but
1: in that, saying that, I handed the magan back today and picked up a Coleos, uh, and I originally thought it was going to be one colour, but it was actually a slightly different colour, and it's that pearl white. So I really like it, but it's as much as I love the magan, it's so nice being in something that is... Higher off the ground, a little bit bigger oh, in man. size. I kind of oh, like having it. What did you say, Mickey? I missed that.
2: I'm not a coughed old man. I don't know, but oh yeah, I'm cough.
1: yeah. Look, I I absolutely loved, uh, you know, I love them again. I love being in a fast car again. It's been a while since I've driven something that that fun that makes you smile the entire time you're in it. But being back in the Collios, I kind of I don't know. I think I'm showing my old manners. I kind of like being yeah, at no.
2: home. Yeah. You Is that and Ash showed two colours last week when you both went for the went for the Hyundai Palisade over the um, <laughs> <laughs> over the van. Went for the high oh. riding, comfy old man captain chairs. <laughs>
1: but it looks good. It's in that it's in that pearl colour, and it it, it just the colour looks great. So I'm looking no, forward mate, to. No mate, it's just... good. Do you want, own it. It's good. Yeah. It's, I'm looking forward to, to, to being in that for the for the for the week and uh, and spending some quality time in, in that. So, um, what have you been driving this week, Ash?
0: Uh, so it's kind of funny that uh, so Mick and I have kind of had a we've we've been all about the and the Hyundai Veloster. Um, so I've been driving mm. the Turbo 1.6 manual. Mick's been driving the the two-litre um, entry-level model, which has the six-speed automatic, and um, I think we've had. Fairly, we we ran into each other actually today during like the whole car swap over. Oh, thing. really? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I was uh, yeah, so that was a bit funny because like, oh, I think I recognise that car, and it's like, yep, there's yeah. I looked at it and over. went, hey, that's that number plate looks very similar to the one I just had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, and and we kind of. And, and, and you can obviously sort of chime in when you want me, but basically we, we both came to the to the understanding that Hyundai have built a really good platform of a car. Um, regardless of what engine you're driving, you can actually derive a really good driving experience if you want to be a little bit sporty about it. Um, obviously, the, the economical side of things, you're going to get a little bit more economy out of the 2-litre the in the auto compared to the manual where you'd either, you know, tempted to just uh, be a little bit more aggressive on the throttle and that, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think, uh, yeah, overall, they've just built a really solid car. It's got, you know, it's got a decent level of tech. It's not, oh, you know, overflowing um, with, like, radar crews and everything like that. But it's got, you know, it's got blind spot monitoring. It's got the reversing camera. So it's got enough to sort of keep you out of trouble. Um, yeah, I, I thought yeah, it was pretty you good. you've got the middle one, enjoyable. haven't you?
2: That's the... You've got the yeah. turbo, not the turbo premium.
0: That's correct. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it's um, and look, I, I didn't really yeah, feel great, like I was missing out on anything. Great chassis, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. Uh, you can really throw it around and, and have trust in it, um, which I think uh, it's kind of funny when so much attention gets put on the N line cars, um, so the i thirty N and obviously the i twenty N that's coming, um, but the uh, you can see that. The Veloster as well has had that same treatment, and, and other markets around the world get the Veloster N as well, and that's an even sharper tuned kind of cousin of the of the i thirty N. And you can see that they've what they've done is rather than build a you know build a car around an engine and then go okay we need one model up and one model below that and you know work out the economics from that, they've actually built a really good chassis, um, and then so. Like I said before, it doesn't really matter what engine you you put into it because the core elements of the car itself are all there, and then it's just how you want to drive it and what you want to derive out of it. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I had the having the two liter.
2: I mean, it's 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 no powerhouse. It's even. Um, you know, like you're saying, I got fairly good economy out of. I got a five point seven liters per hundred k's on the highway, which is that's so good, pretty fantastic for just a what is essentially a conventional two liter non turbo petrol engine, normal torque converter automatic. Um, so yeah, very impressive economy. But like you say, you know, the the chassis is just so good. Like I went along, I've got a particular road that I go on quite often, so much so that I know where the potholes are. Before I can see them, you know, I can come around a corner and adjust the attitude that I want to take when I go through the corner so that I don't hit the pothole on the other side, you know, sort of two <laughs> two corners away. That's how well I know this road. But I went down that road three times on Thursday, I think it was, and I didn't... I, I adjusted my tactics every time because there's so much in reserve in this chassis. You can, you can take different tactics and see which things are better and which things are worse. So there's certain sections in that road, which I now have nailed to perfection. <laughs> um, but there's other ones that I haven't quite got yet. And I tried three different tacks and I added um, what I added an extra 10 k's per hour around one sweeper that I've been driving around. I've probably driven it a thousand times, and I went 10 k's an hour faster the third time I did it today with the car because, like you say, you can trust it. You just you just know that you're gonna make it and you can feel mm. you know it's it's all very progressive and you can you can see how hard you can push like you don't push the hardest when you go into a corner you you drive into the corner start turning it and then figure out how much more you can push and then let it off and then power out of the corner you know and so it, that you know it gives you a really good sense of just how much mechanical grip you have at your disposal and then you go under that that maximum level that's how I drive normally anyway and it was just it was just so easy with the veloster even though it was just a two liter automatic i I had so much fun and i i've i do have um my own personal um traction control indicator which is my (laughs) wife Um, so and She's like a, she's like a, you know. You see the guys on those sidecars. Hmm. So when I come up to a corner, she'll sit there, and I can, I can see whether I'm attacking the corner really fast or not by how she positions herself in the seat, because she knows the later and later I break, the further she sort of moves into her seat to be able to compensate for the G forces.
1: And you know when it's race. really serious, she grabs the handrail. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. There's no handrail. So it's like straight on the dash, which is, I, I keep telling her that's where the passenger airbag is. It's the worst place to put your hand, but she doesn't listen. Um, but you know, I, I could go around those corners faster than I could in other cars that I've been driven in driving recently. And she wasn't bracing herself or concerned about how fast I was going until the third trip. Um, But the first two, yeah, she was quite confident and and happy to to just be comfortable in her seat. That's another good thing too. Um, And I posted this on Instagram today. One of the good things that I like about the Veloster is the fact that the base model one – Um, You don't sacrifice anything when it comes to the wheel and tyre package. It's the same 225 R18s, the same Michelin rubber. Um, So it's the same size, same width tyres. Obviously, you've got the same chassis. You've still got sports seats. You don't have things like, um, so there's the Veloster blank that sits where the push button start normally is. I reckon I've pushed that probably five times, <clears throat> but you actually have to put the keys in the ignition like an old fashioned car. Um, but, but you know, that's the things that you give up. So no blow, blind spot monitoring, no push button start. Um, you, have to, you have to take your keys out of the pocket to push the button to unlock it. Not really a hardship, but these days, you know, you can complain about anything. It's quite easy, but um, it's
1: more the way that but, the way that it's set in the range. It's probably more
2: entry than what it is more high spec. It, it, yeah, it is. Yeah, so you can get like the base model Veloster with the manual gearbox. Which is probably the one I'd pick. In fact, I'd—I I mean, I'm not going to talk in advance of next week when I've got the 1.6 that you've had this week, the 1.6 yeah. turbo, three-arm um, six-speed uh, manual. I've got that next mm. week to, to a back back-to-back comparison. But I'm really kind of um, erring to the side of the of the two-liter. I would have liked to have tested it with a with a manual, but I like normally aspirated motors with linear power delivery, whereas the turbos aren't particularly linear and linear in the way they give you their power. So. I like normally aspirated motors, and this one it had, you know, you couldn't fly out of corners, but you could carry so much speed into the corner you didn't need to. You know what I mean? So it was just it was just a really impressive package, and you can get it with the manual and the two liter for under thirty grand. That's before on roads, but I'm pretty sure you could probably squeeze somebody these days. Um, but that's that's a fantastic package. It's a proper sports coupe. Like it's not a, you know, the i30 N. Uh, performance is, is a fantastic car, but it's a commuter's car that has been modified to become sporty. Whereas the Veloster, it started out as a sports car. That's why I can understand why people are asking for the Veloster N, because it's, you know, the attitude of the car. It's got a wider front track. It's like, it's like a huntsman. You've scared. You know, it's sprawled out. It's ready for action. Wherever you go, its mm. response is just so good. I know it's. And I, I I just really connected with it. I don't know. I really enjoyed it. Um, I've I've had a um, a heap of fun sitting on the highway and going on country roads. There's a bit of road noise and stuff, but it's it's a small price to pay. I think for the for the amount of fun you can have in a $30,000 car. I reckon it's, um, it's pretty on the ball. And it's it felt super sporty when I got straight out of that from the Corolla Hybrid SX hatch, um, which is a great commuter car. But getting into the Veloster, I was immediately... Um, but I, I don't know if you guys remember last week, I said when I got out of the... Um, what did I have? The... Uh, uh, santa fe v6 which i loved i got into the corolla i'm like oh thank god i'm out of suvs and in a car <laughs> i can drive like a car the same level of graduation and relief was oh i'm now i'm in a sports car i can drive like a sports car it was the same, same thing like the same level of contrast between the corolla and the uh, and the Veloster. it's it's a really great car super package um, I'm sure they'll sell a million. Well, they won't because people want to buy SUVs because they're all silly. But
1: Yeah, but there's still a market for that it.
2: sort of stuff, I think. Is, it, yeah. is that manual auto? The one you've been driving? The one I had, yeah, the one I've been driving is the, um, is the auto. I would love to drive the manual with the two litre um, yeah see I'm intrigued just to see how it goes
1: I'm really excited to look at when the 30N comes with the auto um, next year I'm intrigued now after driving that regard, I think it's interesting just to see what it's like with you know sports car all that sort of stuff with a bit of a, a dual clutch thing um, but yep. yeah it's it's interesting thing I'm keen, really keen to drive a Veloster it's been a while since uh, I've been anywhere near one so I think it's it's on my list of things to, to try and schedule coming up. Um, it's an interesting car. Yeah. I'm keen to, to really see what um, they're like. It's a shame we don't get the Veloster in like they get overseas. Um,
2: yeah, but even even then, like, you know, we're talking about, um, like, the things that I'm enjoying in this particular Veloster with just a normal two-liter, than on turbo, is it's kind of like Daredevil, you know. He's got no sight. I've got no power. But all the other things become heightened, you know. Like I found mm-hmm. I was really focusing a lot more on on my steering inputs than on what I would normally when I'd be figuring out whether or not I was going to pop another gear back and power out of the corner or not. Um, I just found myself focusing on everything else, and it was I don't know, it was it was just very stimulating. But, yeah, I, I still see, I, I'm, I guess to that same extent, I'd be concerned that the thing that I love about the i30N, the fact that you do have to change gears and figure out where you are and you can get the power delivery wrong in those quite easily if you pick the wrong gear in the wrong time. Um, I'm, I'm just concerned that a DCT would take, would take away that, that involvement that I enjoy. might might not be there. I just feel like it might be diluting it a little bit.
1: Yeah, look, I'm intrigued. After spending some time with a a dual clutch, I'm I'm probably keen to get back into something that is sort of sports car manual um, just to see Mm. what it's like, kind of something like the Fiesta ST or or something like that and just see what it's like to to, to get that sort of feel. But I'm intrigued to try, and hopefully I can try and schedule an an I-30 in in either the fastback or the normal hatchback before the new ones land because I'd like to get a real feel of that but then go back to a yep. to a to a to a you know to a DSG you know or, or dual clutch, but yeah. yeah, I'm intrigued to hear what you think of the the other model next week with a different different version.
2: Um, yeah, yeah. I, have, I have I have driven it before, and what what did you think, Ash, as far as the uh, the gear shift goes?
0: It's actually a very easy gearbox to use anyway, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, uh, you can just row through it's, those. It's not gears. Hard. I think it's yeah yeah it's um. Yeah, but I think like coming back to the DCT thing, I think it really comes down to having a great box because I've driven some cars with paddles on it, and it's just a it's a frustrating experience. It's it doesn't give you the gear that you want, or it doesn't let you shift down when you know perfectly that um, it can do the down. The downshift, um, you know, to, to just to grab that right bit of power, um, that you want when you're going through a corner or anything like that. Um, but if you get to experience a really, um, great DCT or even, um, uh, like the ZF8 speeds um, that a lot of manufacturers are using as well, like if it's tuned properly, uh, you can have a really rewarding experience as well, Um, even if it's just with paddles or using the gear selector, um, just like, you know, just as if you're driving a manual. Um, So that's when I really enjoy when it's tuned properly because it means that you can actually focus on, um, you know, that, that exact line that you're going for or anything like that you know, or even just that, that around town puttering that you might do because um, not everyone yep. is buying this as a track dedicated car or um, as a weekend only car they need to drive it during the week and sometimes when traffic is really crap you don't want to be mowing through first second or maybe third let's go down to second again back to no too soon before first okay I'm coming to your stop I'm going to jump <laughs> in first door can I just you leave in a my... second and just like you slowly like...
2: yeah that's what my old Boss used to do, he used to have a, an SSV Commodore. He racked up 485,000 Ks on that thing, actually. Yeah, really? Um, but, wow, that's impressive. Yeah. yeah, but he used to sit in Brisbane traffic and the traffic would take off in front of him and he'd just coast along a little bit in second, just basically almost stalling. And then when they got far <laughs> enough in front, he'd just go and
3: then he'd sit yeah. behind the next one they that, just coast it's
2: again. Like... He said, oh, he said, "I don't need to change gears. Everyone else yeah. can just wait for me."
0: Yeah, that's right. So, like I and I had that experience way back when the um, the VF GTS um, became available, and mm. I was given the keys to a, to an auto. And um, this was before the lifecycle update they did, like the series two, where they added the paddle shifters from the SS um, in the United States because yep. they they got the paddles over there. Oh, and, that's um, right, they did too. Unfortunately, what I found is that. The time when I wanted to move through the gears, you know, drop down a couple of gears when coming to a corner, my hands were just... I was just way too busy trying to figure out... Because also it was backwards the wrong way, I think, if I remember correctly. It was kind of like the opposite to the intuitive... Um, way that you wanted it's to shift It's the correct gears. way, wasn't it? Oh, I, oh, I can't remember. I get frustrated every negative time. Negative should be at but the, the top, top and
2: positive uh, at the bottom. Yeah, <laughs> Commodores um, are negative at the top and positive down yeah, the bottom. Okay. That's the way it's so supposed so to be because you push
0: this, this, you push away yeah, from gears. Yeah, exactly. I think it was BMW at one point where they had it the opposite. And I was like, um, what are you doing? You are you have a history in motorsport. You should know which way it goes. Um, but, I, but I just found that... I was too focused and too busy taking my hands off the wheel of a 430-kilowatt V8 that I felt <laughs> like that I needed to keep in control by having two hands on the wheel rather than, okay, I'm taking a hand off to, to go through a couple of gears. Um, and that's where I was like, okay, I'm not that's so, what paddle shift is. I'm not have, so sure have you'd really have enjoyed. to um, change gears in that, would you? <laughs> Wouldn't you just oh. sit in
2: third forever?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's- not, not when you're doing... Uh, <laughs> I don't know the road I was on I was having a lot of fun and just you yeah. know you, you work up from second all the way to pick fourth pick an extra yeah yeah um, but no so should should we get into some, uh, some news so we've got a couple of key things so we've got the June sales results um, yeah BMW registered this is really unexpected I guess you'd say they're their biggest month ever Um, which when you think of COVID and uh, everything that's going on, that's kind of a it's a good victory but it's a bit of a funny one. Um, So they sold, you know, registered 3,300 cars Um, so big jump over last year's figures at 2,500 but there seems to, it's it's a bit of a hit and miss over the... um, the entire market some were up some were down Ram had a killer month as well um yep. yeah what did you guys what was a couple of key
1: takeaways oh, LTV from... did really well as well they had a they had a, a record month as well
0: yeah oh well, it's an uh, LDV for me that's all I can think of LDV. no yeah. I think they <laughs> oh year to date so they sold 200 cars more this uh, this June than they did last June. Um, they're up by about 100 and 100 or so cars year to date. So they're tracking along pretty well. Um- yeah, but uh, all of them, you see, all
2: all the premium brands. So I think we were discussing this before. Um, people have realized that there is a tax advantage available at the moment through the instant asset write-off. And the people that have got the means to be able to take advantage of that um, of that tax advantage have taken that option. So Audi, Mercedes-Benz, BMW, all up. So mm. uh, Audi are up 84% compared to last year, which is yeah.
0: crazy. 30% crazy. Nissan's up for BMW. down, Mitsubishi's yep. down, Mazda's yep. down, um, Toyota's up barely. They sold, you know, twenty two thousand cars or just under twenty three thousand and they sold about twenty one thousand cars last this time last year. So it's kind of not a yep. huge amount of growth for them compared to the uh, the luxury makers. Even Volvo sold um yeah, three hundred Four hundred yeah so Yep. Yeah, we see RAM been... up hundred and thirty
2: percent. It's like we said, you know, it's people have seen these tax advantages and just gone straight for yeah. well, it. Yeah, again, it's I think not it helps one into th- the market though. Yeah.
1: I think it helps with the advertising they're doing as well. Like, Ram have been pushing their TV advertising, so they're really getting some really good brand presence. Um, they've been pushing the tax advantage and, you know, that it's tax time and stuff like that. So, look, it's really, really smart from them to push what they're doing. Um but it just goes to show like we were chatting before off air that there is a demand for these bigger trucks in Australia. We've been talking about the Max, we are talking about how well Ram's done with that sort of stuff. You know, we talk about Ford in Australia doing what they did with the Mustang. If they're clever and they're having these conversations with, with back in the U S about bringing the F one fifty here, they could clean up so well. Toyota could do the same thing with, but with their models as well. Um, we, there's obviously a, there's a market for these bigger trucks, and obviously they're selling at that price point. Um, mm. You know, it, it's it's interesting to see just how well they've done um, in terms of what you know and what the market is asking for.
0: And so, yep. and, and the and the dollar and the price point has certainly slowly crept down within those big trucks. Like, so not very long ago, you'd be seeing the. The starting price for any of those American trucks, whether they're converted or Ram or whatever, um, you know, that start around that one hundred twenty, hundred twenty-five thousand dollar mark. But you can now—last time I looked at a at a yard, you could jump into a, an entry-level fifteen hundred Ram for one hundred and two thousand. So the price point Go has slowly it. kept, kept yeah. down. <laughs> That's um, really good
1: for a hundred grand for that. It's like,
0: oh. Uh. Well, and then all of a sudden that price gap between your more expensive, you know, um, dual-cab utes starts to get really, really small to the point of if you're looking at for a commercial point, you go, I could fit a pallet or two on the back of a bigger pickup truck. That's a bit more practical than, you know, the, the smaller when I have to work yeah. on a trailer. Well, you see, so, you see the
2: guys that are buying the the guys that are buying those, uh, the top-end Hilux and top-end Ranger and that sort of thing, they're not just buying a, a Rogue and just leaving it as a Rogue. They're putting bigger no. wheels on, bigger tires, yep. racks, bars, winches. Um, everyone's got a King's fold-out, whatever it is that they've all got on the roof rack, yeah. plus a yeah. side annex you know so they're not they're not spending the purchase price of the vehicle they're spending plus 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 so obviously and at the end of the um, day it means they can only tow a jet ski the...
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> well yeah cuz that's yeah. the thing like that's the, the thing with these big trucks they they have the bigger yeah like um you know these bigger trucks yeah. will have bigger towing capacity and you can go up like even we were talking about uh when joel and i were looking offline a couple weeks ago that some of these bigger trucks you can you can tow up to 10 ton in the higher specs yeah it's like if you're if you and it's a lot easier to go a fifth wheel setup if you've got a a large horse trailer or a large caravan or anything like that so it's all of us it also has meant that um it gives options to people who are buying larger caravans and don't want to have to go through the modification, the certification route to be able to tow these larger caravans on a vehicle that ultimately was never designed for it. So now you can buy one of these big American trucks that, are, you know, that's what yep. they're made for. Just get one they're made rated. to haul. Yeah. Um, yep. But yeah, so but I think still it's, rest, it's been... So-
2: Oh, yeah, I'm just thinking me. the rest of them. So again, still the um, premium stuff. so Lexus up as well, sixty percent. Mm. That's that's pretty amazing for some for a market that was looking like we were down forty eight percent or something last month. I think yeah. it was.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, the fact that it's turned around so fast, I. T- I think it's important not to get carried away because obviously this is end of financial year and people are trying to take advantage and cut their losses from what was already a terrible um, mm. end to the nineteen twenty financial year. Um, do we reckon July is going to be anything like that?
1: Well, the thing is, is that not- the, tax ad- the tax advantage is continuing. So, if you've been in a business where you've been watching what you've been doing for the for the final few months of the year, the the this asset write-off is allowing you to go until the end of this year. For me personally, in my business, yep. I'm looking at probably holding off at the moment with some of my stuff into into that next six months, depending on how the business goes. It makes sense to hold. But talking about that, though, we're talking about some of the numbers. Just looking, Volvo is up 40%. Now, looking at that, that is for, that may not be a model that you would think that you would put if you're looking at that Business tax advantage. It's not a model you would probably associate with that. Ram. Yes, we understand at hundred and thirty percent increase. Yes, that makes sense. Um, Haval is another one. Haval's up a hundred percent. So they're two two brands that are obviously mm. people. You were
2: quite good too.
1: Oh, mg 32 percent minis 50% um, it's great to see for across the board in the market that that there's confidence with people buying new cars um, you know Audi's 84 BMs 32 uh, great wall 30 you know there's there's definitely a a, a confidence in buying that but you know as we we're talking about today like driving past some of the dealers near my place there's very thin stock at Mm. the moment so and and that's the
0: thing that will probably affect the short term so i think july um august might be a little down because there's just no stock but i think what will happen is that any particularly in premium brands where you can sort of go in spec a car and um and take delivery you know four or five months later we'll probably see a lot of the deals be bunched up in those later months um if you know and this is a very big if that you know all other variables remain the same so at the moment we kind of remain on a similar trajectory in terms of recovery from covid um you know we're we're still entering a little bit of uncertainty particularly around victoria um so the, the 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 thing is is that if we improve, we'll see some of those orders that are being made now because I know of a few dealers up here where they have no stock. All the stock on the floor is spoken for and they are only taking factory orders that they won't show up in sales numbers until there's a number plate on that car and it's gone out the door. Um, So we'll probably see a little bit of a bunching up um, towards the end of the year when those vehicles start coming through again Um, and it's probably looking, we probably saw a little bit of that in June as well where we did have a period of shutdown and people weren't going out and buying cars but they still needed to make a buying decision and so rather than doing it in in March, April, May, they've rushed out in June and and, and made that purchase so some of the drop that we're seeing um, is actually just sort of, you know, it's catching up from those previous months where most things were dealers were open, but people were closed off um, from from venturing yep. out. So I think we'll probably so see a little bit of that again. July will be July will be a flattening of the curve. You reckon or yeah? I think um, I think it will drop. Um, uh, it will drop below. What it would be for a normal drop-off in in July, because um, don't forget we've got school holidays, and school holidays are typically a terrible period for vehicle sales as well, um, having yeah. coming from that. Uh, so nobody's buying whilst they're out holiday or. Holidaying.
2: That's um, well, another in point in too. Uh, people out holidaying. Well, actually, well, I can say they are.
0: What I saw I on the, the roads, I think, yeah, it was bloody horrendous. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, um, and even the the huge lines at the the borders today. Um, for I think there was a little bit of mis- misinformation around when the um, the borders were formally opening again, um, or sort of the updated. Procedures for entering Queensland from New South Wales. Um, So even uh, I was listening to the ABC. Uh, on, on the way home and they were saying that the, the lines were just simply massive because they still got the border checks. It's just that t- today, July 3rd, yep. was just the relaxing of certain conditions. It wasn't the opening of the border. That's not until the 10th. Um, and so there was yep. a huge backlog of cars and um, thankfully, it's uh, it's it's going to be a fun week, I think, with uh, the Toyota Camry this week because it's got Victorian plates and um, <laughs> what they said is that... Uh,
3: <laughs> going to get Queens- constantly. Queensland police are
0: <laughs> going to be doing really... Random random stops of Victorian registered cars, and I was like, "Well, that's going to be fun." Um, yeah. So we should. But
3: what I can't get over, Ash,
0: if it's going to happen.
1: Talking about that border, the border between New South Wales and Queensland. Yeah. I was ta- I was reading an article during the week which absolutely blew me away. She, a woman was talking about that she must live just south of, just over the border. So I think if she goes into, or maybe she she maybe she's Queensland and she's going the other way, but she says she allows two hours at the moment to drive that bit of road to cross oh, to over to the between... To cross over the border because of the, the border stops and everything. That just blew me away. It's like... Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So, look. I yeah, think, we don't um, want any blues here. Yep. Uh, <laughs> no, well, actually, before we move on, on from the VFX, yeah. Ash, one other thing I wanted to point out was electric, uh, FEVs, and hybrids are up in all segments this month. Mm. I'm not surprised by that at all. Passenger private, the the electric FEV is up 200%. Hybrid's up 87%. Passenger non-private, 90% and 49% for the FEVs Mm. and the hybrids. Um, Same again for SUVs. So everyone except for SUV um, non-private diesels, which are up, all the petrol went down and all the diesels went down and all the other segments for the for the private and non private purchases and hybrids and electrics have all gone up like double digit
0: and if, growth. And if anything easily, triple uh digit for for fleet. And if anything sort of uh is a pretty good indicator of uh, a change is if you look at the and it's just one obviously one segment of um, the market but passenger private diesels are down to 108 cars electric and plug-in hybrids are up yeah. to 58 so yeah it won't be so, it won't be very soon because obviously the situation we are in at the moment but i reckon sometime next year we're going to see more electric in hybrids, then diesel's been sold to private customers. Um, yeah, I wouldn't I be surprised. It's not very far off at all.
1: No, because the amount of manufacturers now that are bringing in some form of hybrid, and as we've talked about, Subaru with obviously moving into that range yep. with their XVs and yeah, yeah. and the and the Foresters. But you look at you know the the RAV4. I was talking to a friend the other week, and he said, "Look, it was a no-brainer to it's, it's turn around and mm. buy a hybrid." Um, Rav4 because it was for what it offered. you know yeah. I think I think more of the brands that are doing that and moving into that that market, it, it's just only going to grow. I mean diesel is a dirty word particularly in Europe and America at the moment, but I think it it is probably a little bit in terms of that passenger vehicle market uh, in, in Oz. Um, yeah. And I think the more brands that are that are moving towards hybrid, and and particularly in, in that in that area, um, you know, a couple of the things we're going to probably talk about a little bit later in the show, it, it's it's growing. So yeah, I can, I can only see that that hybrid. Um, it, Area is he's gonna he's gonna grow massively in sales. Yeah.
0: yeah, No, I think it's 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 exciting. Um, I've, I'm i writing a, a piece for the magazine at the moment. Actually, looking at also, um, I'll just mention it briefly before we move on. But uh, looking at uh, hydrogen as well, the the emergence. We've spoken about it on the uh, on the podcast before. But looking at how um, the level of investment coming in from manufacturers as well, um, and in, including our our government in terms of building hydrogen infrastructure. So we could actually see it's not just an alternative option for, you know, is it petrol or electric? It's actually, we could actually see more and more options, kind of like petrol-diesel, where it's electric, hydrogen um electric as well so that's um well, it's, it's interesting when looking, looking at the into... stats and bringing it down it's 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 really interesting to see the development that's been going on behind the scenes um yep. and and what a rich history uh, hydrogen vehicles have um compared to I've still electric. been looking
2: into hydrogen production. I'll come back with more next week on this yeah. particular topic, but it still seems to be a very fossil fuel-dependent generation mm. activity mm. to get it. Or well, there's other activities where you can do things like um, biosynths and bio-oils yeah. and things which yeah. are extracted, but those sort of processes still require fossil fuels to be able to yeah. obtain the yep. hydrogen. Having said that, I went to – this is a bit of a off-the-side tangent. I knew we, so we wouldn't do tangent. <laughs> this week, um, but I did a first aid course at the start of this year. It's obviously related, um, but one of the guys that was there, he works in a chemical factory, and he was saying to me that hydrogen is a byproduct of one of the other things that they make. They said they just they just try and get rid of it because they they yeah. have too much of it.
1: Yeah. Wow, so, but they're actually it's a it's a byproduct from what they do, so they've got the ability yeah, to probably even harness it.
0: Wow. Yeah. 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 So we can we can so, talk about it next week because I think a few people would love to to hear about it because yeah there's a I, I dove straight into um uh the the national hydrogen strategy for Australia as well and it's really interesting um yep. and I think that there's a lot of really big motivators to shift to hydrogen that are just that are that extend past just uh, cleaner driving. When that, is the next issue little- due out Ash? Uh, so it should be any time. Um, so we're just going through the final stages right now. Um, so keep an eye out for that. I'll uh, post. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get info out there once uh, once we're ready to go. Um, yeah, maybe I should, yeah, it's, it's, it's I should a, finish really... some of my. I should finish some of my
1: articles so you can include them in it. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: Hurry up. Um, but no, it's a really interesting topic. Um, there's a lot of really big motivators in there. There's commercial um, and, and industrial motivations to go to a hydrogen um, orientated future. And um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a great topic. And um Yeah, I think uh, without
2: without having done sufficient uh, investigations yet and just shooting straight from the hip, I'm going to say that hydrogen is the fossil fuel industry's e-cigarette. Ooh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's where I'm at until I do more research. Mm. Yeah, there we go. Okay, well let's move on to (laughs) some other news and uh, we'll. um, But yeah, it's a really interesting topic and I yeah it would be good to talk about uh, next week. Um so Mazda um have announced this Skyactive XM Hybrid. Um it's it's a, yep. not it's an okay They're name.
1: Um, <laughs> it's, well it kind of makes sense. This Sky Active X has been
0: their kind of branding for a while it and
1: then you put it into M Hybrid like
0: I think of uh, BMW, so... Um, well, yeah, anyway, I mean, like so the M, it's,
2: it's, it's I it, don't it, even a,
0: understand. Mild, maybe? Mild hybrid? Yeah, so what it is is basically a, 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 a drivetrain, um, powertrain for, for cars. So they can actually... Um, I guess the first immediate models will be Mazda 3 and then the CX-30. Um, and so they're the first two models: so the Mazda three X twenty Astina, and uh, the CX thirty X twenty Astina All Drive. That's a that's a great name. Um, <laughs> they both carry I, a I bit of a price premium, exciting. but it's a it's a it's yeah. a good start, I think. Uh, again, kind of what we're talking about: Subaru's introduction into hybrid um, with their models. It's a it's a good first step. They've got some interesting technology as well. Um, Yeah, what do you think Mick?
2: Well, I, I just think it's so. It's the idea is that the from the engine perspective, it's a it's a petrol engine that's using the same concept as compression ignition that you would normally use for a diesel. So mm. using the compression to assist in the igniting of the fuel, which makes sure that you get a clean and burn, and you extract as much energy from the fuel as you possibly can, increases your uh, your efficiency of the of the motor itself. And then they're pairing that with the uh, what was the term they used for the starter motor? Um, So basically, they've got a a belt-driven electric starter motor, which is really a motor generator for those of you uh, who, who are lekkies. So basically, it's using a belt-driven generator to create some electrical current to charge a battery, which then assists to go back through the belt and convert that back into mechanical energy mm. to help the car get off and start running again. So it's it's kind of similar to the way other hybrids work. Um, belt drivers, um, an interesting choice. But, I mean, I, I'm all for... And, and uh, you know, you've heard me talk plenty of times before about how much I like the Toyota hybrid system. Not so much because of how fantastic the drivetrain is. And it is quite good. It's very efficient. But these are all the different types of transitional powertrains between fossil fuel engines and... um, EVs if we eventually get there I like this stuff because I like all this technical engineering things and I like to see new things and see how they work it's um, certainly how successful diff- it will be, who knows but I want to see it and I want to play with it
1: it's certainly different and it's interesting that Mazda have gone down this route in terms of wanting to do something a little bit different um, it's interesting that, that yeah. for them it's putting it in the Mazda 3 and the CX-30, I would have Thought maybe they might have looked at expanding into maybe CX-5 or something else, but yeah. um, Are you surprised like me, given that Mazda...
0: Are you surprised like me that it's taken this long for them to bring out a a hybrid powertrain like this?
1: I think it's something they've been working on. I know that they've been talking about it for a while, but I think obviously for the Australian market, they may have had to have one here. They may have had to get it tested, tick boxes and stuff like that. I think that's the thing. I know that they've been working on this kind of... This Skyactiv brand for them has been something they've been working on in the background for a while trying to build on it and, and... you know, you can see that they've been talking about doing varying degrees of it. But yeah, I think. Uh, they
2: the have fa- had a few good advances. Like, there's. Yeah. The Active powertrain with their um, the gearbox, I can't remember exactly how the gearbox works, but essentially works kind of like a CVT, but also has a real gear in it, so you don't get the same drone when you're at takeoff. I can't remember if that's how it works. but
0: You've probably just upset a whole lot. heap
2: of engineers by giving that description. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I live for upsetting engineers. It's my job. <laughs> in my real life. <laughs> all I do is tell engineers they're wrong all day, so um, feel free to write into the show. What's the address,
0: Ash? Uh, uh, shows <laughs> at dailyautofix.com. <Shows. laughs>
2: yep. Address it to Mick, and I'll yeah I'll I'll share with you some of the choice language I normally have for engineers, um, <laughs> but but Mazda do a lot of um, a lot of investigation into this sort of stuff and a lot of development for different types of powertrains rather than just following the pack and seeing what somebody else is doing and trying to do the same thing. Which means you're always behind. Mm. Most are trying to do things to get themselves ahead, and and I do appreciate the, the engineering that they put into it, even though it's done by engineers. Um, I, I'm actually looking forward to see, seeing how well this one works. It may actually be a, it might be a better solution than the, yeah. um, than the Toyota hybrids. Like you know, I had that yeah. Corolla hybrid last week. I, the economy was fantastic. I was getting sort of 4.2s and fives, which is um, pretty good for anything that I drive. Um, but it doesn't have. You know, maybe Mazda have got some zoom zoom in their in their hybrid. The Toyota Corolla didn't have any zoom zoom, so maybe this is this is the next step. This is a better step. Yeah, it might be a step backwards because, because, because it's too complex and too expensive to maintain. Yeah. But yeah. we just we just got to see. Mm. Just got to wait and see.
0: Because the, they are using that diesel air compression ignition, which is the first time it's been used with a with a petrol. Unit, Yeah. Um, but Spark what they're claiming is that it gives you...
1: Engine? SPCCI, as they're calling it?
0: Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Spicky. <laughs> um, but it gives... So they're claiming it gives you the high-revving performance of a petrol engine with the fuel efficiency yep. and torque and response of a diesel. So, like, reading that, I go, okay, I'm interested because as exactly what you've described, it's one thing to get great fuel economy and... Everybody's, you know, people are going to be really happy about that because that means, you know, the dollars that are walking out of their pocket when they, you know, when they buy fuel. Um, But it's also another to have a car that actually is efficient and feels really zippy. Without the sacrifice yeah. of economy, so I think it, it's it's really interesting. I hope it's um like what you said that they keep up with that like that zoom zoom approach. They mentioned it in the press release, you know, that the multi solution approach to yeah. emissions reduction and sustainable zoom zoomed for twenty thirty. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting. It does carry a bit of a premium. It's the Mazda three, um, X twenty Astina, um, and it's available both manual and auto. Um, starts at forty five ninety, um, and wow. the CX thirty X twenty Astina all wheel drive uh, will be priced at forty six four ninety. So it is up there for what you know a fairly compact vehicles, but you know if depending on how much you drive that price premium, I think it's roughly about three thousand dollars um against the equivalent vehicle if you get if you're doing lots of k's you're going to see that rewarded back through fuel economy and obviously performance so um if that's important to you that might be uh, it might be worthwhile paying a little bit more up front or a little bit higher in terms of your repayments to to get that benefit out of it yes but
2: don't forget it's not just about the money it's also about saving the planet so everybody everybody buy hybrids cuz i like v6s and they become a lot cheaper when no one else is buying them
3: <laughs> <So>.
2: <laughs> but yeah just i think too that that is something that um you know, maybe it also helps people feel good when they decide to take the option that it is a money-saving mm-hmm. effort to start with. But also, I think people are starting to become a little bit more mindful of their um, of their CO two footprint and stuff because there's a lot of um, well, there was a lot of coverage before everyone started getting the pox and dying, but you know everybody's everybody's becoming a lot more self-aware about their about their CO2 carbon footprint and this mm. will make them feel better too so you know maybe that be, that might be worth something in the in the currency for the sale price
1: well that's the thing is the CO2 numbers are so important now in terms of what it is particularly um, in Europe that's yep. yeah and, and also to the US the point. cafe numbers in the US are pretty pretty big now mm-hmm. that sort of stuff and so that's why we've seen so many brands moving to some form of hybrid within the car so yeah it's good if this is going to help Master with their numbers. Or just and...
2: trucks which are exempt.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yep. But yeah, it's it's a it's a good thing in terms of what they're trying to do.
3: Yeah.
0: All right. Let's uh, let's move on to a little bit. This is now. This is an interesting thing from Care that they've done. Um, this obviously. Is awesome. the, yeah, it's great. Um, this is great if you need to, if, if you have a service coming up on your car anyway, um, between June 1st and August 31st. I don't know why the uh, press release is coming out on the 29th when it was from June 1st, but anyway. Um, the, uh, basically, if you take your car in to a Kia dealer to get serviced, um, you'll get put into the draw for seven people to be one of seven people to win a seven thousand seven hundred and seventy-seven dollar prepaid credit card. Um, so that's pretty cool. They're saying that it's a that's good amazing. bonus on a um, you know, it's basically it's an on top of you know it's a, it's a no cost bonus for any Kia owner. Um, when you get your car serviced, because you already benefit from a seven-year warranty, seven-year cap price servicing, and seven-year roadside yep. assistance program. So I think it's a it's a nice way to boost uh, servicing through the dealer network. It's a nice, um, you know, it's a good it's a good incentive, I guess. It's a nice little bonus because you have to get your car serviced anyway. Um, and if you don't follow the schedule, yep. you can kind of get yourself in hot water. Um, if you sent this to issues, a guy at work. So.
2: A guy at work um, that I um, pointed him towards a Cerato GT, which we ended up buying a nice red sedan, Cerato Ooh, GT. Ooh, nice. I forwarded, I forwarded this him straight away and said, start driving, you need to get another service in the next few months. So, <laughs> <laughs> get on the
0: road, start racking
2: some Ks up. <laughs>
0: yeah. But no, it's a nice little bonus, good incentive. Especially um, if
1: you bought, like, you know, if you bought a Picardo or something like that, at, you know, at the... At the <laughs> yeah. at, the more entry point level of K and you end up winning this prize. That's like almost that's a fair <laughs> whack of your carpet. Yeah, it's dad. a third of the price of your carpet. How car good is that?
0: Yeah. I'm sure they'd be going hey uh, with that would you like to trade it in for a new one <laughs> yeah <that's right>. <laughs> <laughs> no but cool yeah prepaid cool credit card
2: for use in Kia dealers yeah <laughs> yeah
0: it's like Disney bucks or whatever you know it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. only eligible in certain things um, alright so this is exciting this is all on the other end of the spectrum um, in terms of total disregard for any sort of sense but you know with some reasonable practicality you could say is um, Audi All new RS6 Avant and RS7 Sportback (laughs) set to arrive. Soon, uh, Basically, Audi Australia is preparing for the arrival of the fastest ever Audi RS models um, with the arrival of the all-new RS6 Havana and RS7 Sportback. So, if you haven't been keeping up with what's new with these, completely new design, 441-kilowatt, newt meter 4-liter twin-turbo TFSI V8 and, um, and they arrive on July 24th. So, look, it, being July 24th, that's my birthday. It seems to be really good because a lot of good cars are launching at that time. So, um, Audi, thank you. That'd be great. I've got space. The Please do. <laughs>
3: I,
2: like the, um, I like the stats on the turbo. So, uh, I got twin turbos, 1.4 bar of boost pressure for each turbo that runs each bank. Mm. So, in the old money, that's 20 psi. That is really punching out some pretty serious compression, some mm. pretty serious pressure. No surprise that this thing is cranking out over 400 kilowatts. That's just mm. insane. And of course, the RS6 Avant. What a beautiful looking piece oh. of gear. Ugh.
1: They've uh, so, It's like so, serious they know feel to the hashtag favor. wagon love there, Mickey.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yep, they definitely. know how to uh, in that red as well so it's like a really like it's like a blood red um, yeah it looks brilliant just gorgeous yeah the um, they know way. how to do a reading Audi they really do yeah what just, we, yeah
2: what uh, I knew it would be I just looked up I was wondering how big the wheels were going to be they're 22 inches that's just What?
1: yeah but it's got to it's got to, it's got to be that big to sit on the awesome looking guards on these things yeah, I right. know, I
2: but I like a little weird. bit of sidewall. Oh, they're, they're going to be like your uh, like your RS Magan
0: with yeah, I don't 35, know
3: whether, uh, thirty-five
2: I
1: don't
3: profile tires.
0: Well, look, they need they need the low-profile tires because you can get the uh, the ceramic brakes as well, which get even bigger front discs. Yeah. So they go to four hundred and forty oh. mil. Yeah. And if you're um, still,
1: if you're spending inches. this kind of money on the thing, uh, then what you really need to do is spend that. the extra money and buy yourself an Acropovich exhaust for it because oh my god, the noisy things <laughs> generate when. <laughs> he put the Kropovich on it. Uh, my my good friend Steve over at the Audi Driving Experience uh, gave me a demo of an RS6 Avant with the Kropovich exhaust, and oh my mm. god, I can still I still have memories of that noise that thing creates. It's like oh, absolutely
0: brilliant. But it's you know the best thing is with this performance, it's extremely practical. Like you're talking, uh, I can't find it right now. Just just scrolled i scrolled too far it's like 1680 liters of luggage it's the fastest the car bunnings down.
1: as steve Bizarre would say you know it's the fastest <laughs> yeah, car you can take to what?
0: take the bunnings it's like uh, it's like <laughs> so practical so with for... the seats up you get 565 liters in the rs6 and the rs7 is 535 and then if you fold those seats down if you need that extra you know if you bought that barbecue and like in that couch set um, combo <laughs> it's uh, 1680 and 1390 litres respectively um, and
1: then take it to the auto barn and it'll do 305k's
0: yep same day delivery the whole new meaning <laughs> <laughs> So they uh, yep. pricing wise start from two hundred and sixteen thousand, which isn't cheap, <laughs> it's a um, wagon. and two hundred and twenty four thousand. Well, it's more expensive than a Porsche Taycan, isn't it?
1: Hey, it's cheap. The RS six wagon Avante is cheaper than the RX RS seven sports pack. It's like yeah. you know,
0: I know what I would choose. That's
1: sick. hey, look, Powerball's eighty million next week, boys. Buy a
3: ticket. <laughs> you know, it's the
1: it's so u- ultimate ultimate. Uh, Hashtag wagon love right compare. there. Yeah, yeah. Well, these you know the oh. wife's car's the RS6, Mickey. You take the RS, the RS7 for a bit of a, a daily driver when you got to
2: drive down to Brizzy. Actually, you, you know, know it's what? It's perfect. I'm I'm the wagon fan. My wife does does not want another wagon.
1: Cause oh, I was only thinking about kids. Oh, well, you take you take the RS6 for the for the daily, and the RS7 the rs sevens her daily. You know, running the kids <laughs> around.
2: Yeah, I might buy us some new wheels for the Commodore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> From uh, Bob Jane, right? The uh, the window specials? <laughs> yeah. Well, you can get them as a package. Get them as a package. Yeah. All oh, right. It's okay. a good deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm well, loving, loving
1: the new look at the front end on these. Yeah. The, the new front yeah. end on this is just so aggressive. It looks... Mm. <laughs> the new headlights and everything are really good. That that red wagon, the, yeah, it's... Um, It's a great hero colour. It's a well, it's also definitely progression in the design of it. Like that real that front end with all those really severe angles and everything, it's it's it looks amazing. Like the arrow is the RS6 has always looked good, but this new generation—wow, it's it's something else. I can't wait to see those. A friend of mine posted one. There's one in a dealer in Melbourne already, um, but it was in a darker colour. It didn't really show the lines off as well. So, hopefully, my yep. local dealer might have one in, in a brighter colour soon. But yeah, it's very very cool. In
2: that. I think when it's, they had um, the first here, when they had the first press pictures come out, I think they had it in their hero grey colour. With all the black detail, it looked pretty sharp. Yeah. Still, those 22-inch wheels, they're just so big. Yeah, I don't know. they made me cringe a bit. I don't know. But anyway, everything else is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look at the interior.
0: Holy Jesus.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah,
3: they oh, addy
0: to. Well, right let, let's
1: it.
0: keep let's keep it in the family. Uh, we'll jump across to Volkswagen now. So they're T-Rock. Um, they're, they're little SUV. Oh, I saw my um, first
1: one in the flesh today. There was one yeah. when I when I picked up the Colios today there was one in this awesome V-Dub Green that was at the um uh at MSR it was very very cool I really yeah. like it so mm. I need to speak to my friends at V-Dub and try and get hold of one cuz I'm really keen to to see what one of these is like to drive
0: Yeah so this so this new t Rock the 110 TSI um, fits right in the middle. So it's in between the 85 TSI and obviously the 140 numbers. You know, if you work it out, use some math, you can figure out that the 110 fits right in the middle. I think the
1: 110 um, the is the sweet spot, really, I think, in, yeah. in Volkswagen's range. I think the 85 is good. For that, but the 110, like I've driven the 110 Golf and I think it's a really, really sweet spot in terms of engine and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I'm really keen yeah. to see what it's like. So you like the in- one
0: the 110 kilowatt, uh, 250 newton metre, 1.4 litre um, turbo petrol. Um, so you, you should get a 6.2 litres out of it, which probably feels a little bit high for a little SUV like that. But, you know, it's got an 8-speed auto. speeds as well, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It but
1: only, it's pulling more that weight than want. it would in, say, a Golf. So,
0: Yeah, the only thing that I would want different in the specs, it's got pretty much everything. It's got front assist for city emergency brake, pedestrian monitoring, active cruise control, lane assist, um, blind spot monitoring, all that kind of stuff, uh, keyless access, which, of course, just makes sense in a car like that. Um, you've got a pretty decent suspension system first and struts. Um, carpet mats are included. How amazing. Um Chrome roof rails. That's, yeah. It's, uh, what are they doing? They're taking money out of the dealer's hands. That's usually the, the easiest to sell. selling <laughs> the, the uh, when it comes to them, aftermarket. Yeah. That's it. Um, but the only thing that I would probably want included in the standard options would be the digital cockpit. So that's been reserved for the sound and vision package at $2,000. Um, but I, I feel like if they're really trying to sell us slightly, because it is, it's not, it's, you know, it's it's reasonably priced at thirty four thousand, but once you factor in all the other little costs that go on top, I just feel like it would have been a really great value prop to to throw in that digital cockpit and then go hey if you want that slightly better nav system and and the Beats premium audio you know throw that in as your your premium package um, but that's probably just the one thing I would have liked to have seen standard yeah but um, even if you if you took a few boxes
1: and go say sound and the luxury under forty grand for what it is with a
0: one ten uh, it's don't for you. forget your on roads. It pushes yeah, up once true. you throw your on roads and that kind of thing. But yeah, look, like it's still it's still certainly not badly priced. Um, the le- the luxury package is thirty eight hundred dollars, um, which gets you the Vienna leather appointed upholstery, heated front seats. Again, it's like one of those things where you go that uh, you feel like should be standard, given that a lot of cars in different yeah. segments have that as a standard. Um, doesn't have cooled seats see that would have been a nice thing to go hey look for the luxury package. you get heated and cooled seats that would have been you go okay cool yep i can see the value in that um but the the luxury package throws in the uh, panoramic uh sunroof um and then a, see an electrically operated tower gate. see i don't see that as a luxury item i see that as a fairly standard you see it as essential do you <laughs> really? if you've got if you've got Oh, I've certainly seen the the value. If you've got your hands full, or you're coming back, and you got kids and all sorts of stuff. Having that tailgate just be able to pop up really easily without effort makes a big difference. Um, yeah, but still, I mean, if you if you add that
2: onto this, like if you don't opt for the sound and vision package you just go for the luxury pack yeah you're still you're spending about 37 grand I mean I know it's a compact SUV but it's it's a nice one yeah um, it when looks you get good. the Vienna leather and the power tailgate and the glass sunroof. it I think that actually all together makes it a good value proposition 3800 yeah. bucks for all of those features mm-hmm. is quite mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. Um, I think if you're already looking at this particular T-Rock, you're not necessarily shopping down from Tiguan. You're shopping for something in that space. Otherwise, you just go straight yeah. to the Tiguan and and forget yeah. about this little Tucker. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's, I reckon. I reckon they've got the packages right because they've got the person already looking for that size vehicle, putting some nice stuff on it because they want an SUV for driving in the city, mm, mm, um, mm. which is.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to get back into that discussion again. But, no. but I even <laughs> see the standard package is probably one of the standard vision package is probably one of those things that I think most dealers might might even option by default. Um, yeah, yeah. oh, we've only got to this go. one with sound emission package. Sorry, yeah, yeah, they kind of, and then you know, you usually work out a pretty decent discount on that.
1: It's an easy, it's an easy sell for what it what it has. Yeah, um, once you yeah. see it and you look at that virtual cockpit and stuff like that, you know, it's kind yep. of yeah, it's kind of an obvious
2: choice.
3: Yep. Mm.
2: You know what? I would like to give a quick little. These are applause. Off, they've only got two, sil- <laughs> they've only got two silvers, so they've got white, red, turmeric yellow, riverina blue or ravina, Ravenna, whatever. They've got a blue and orange, um, a white silver metallic and a grey. So they've only limited themselves to two silvers, which is excellent restraint. Um, there's no black, <laughs> but they've got red. They've got red, yellow, blue. That's that's awesome. I don't know where's the green. Mm. There's no green. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but red,
3: green yellow, blue. So, uh, that's, but,
2: that's that's actually key choices really. Yeah, that's right. So they've actually opted for some colour, which is fantastic. In fact, I've noticed a lot of the German um, products now are starting to get more colourful. So well done.
1: Yeah, look at that Golf R range that the, or GDR range I was talking about the other week. It's kind of like very impressive in terms of the colour options there. So we're moving moving on, Ash, to, to the uh, yeah, so their new Halo is, vehicle, they're calling
0: it. Yeah, so this is what I would say is the ultimate sleeper SUV. Um, where it's not bonkers in performance, but, you know, at one hundred thirty six, dollars $137,000, um, you get a fairly decent sort of... It's a diesel V8 R-line. Um,
1: Shares the done. same engine as the Bentayga.
0: Yeah, like, it's... So, 0 to 100 is 4.9 seconds. Um, fuel use combined is 7.5 litres per 100. <laughs> Um, 310 kilowatts 900 newton meters of torque um, yeah I think just looking at photos it's a pretty like I, I see this as being like a someone who wants an SUV a large SUV that's relatively twit Quick um, but doesn't want to cause a whole heap of attention. Um, it's so subtle. The new design yeah. is so
1: good. I passed one tonight on my way home and um, it I love this new design of the
0: Tuareg. the Tuareg. But looking it, at looking at it, you wouldn't tell that it's the like the the, the range topper. No. Um it, it just looks like a very tidy, very good looking SUV It's a Volkswagen. really subtle design. Um, it would only be until you start to pay closer attention that you sit. The R line and the V8. That you go. Oh yeah, maybe something a little bit more is uh, happening here. Yeah, I
1: love that front grille. Yeah, it's a you
0: know, really what? nice design. Yeah, I'm screwing my face up.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's, it, it looks like it looks like they designed a beautiful Audi and then went. Oh, this is too fancy. Let's tone it down because we're going to sell it with a Volkswagen badge on it. It's, I mean, it's not ugly, but it's just it's got
0: I don't know, i look at it again. Look, it's, it's... Look, I'm just going to place you on mute, Mick, for the next few minutes, and then... Uh... It's, it's a family resemblance. We'll You've got to admit to that it
1: is a family resemblance, that it is from the same family, but... I think what they've done is Volkswagen, they've gone their own route and I really like the way that they've gone in this design. And as I said, I've said a couple of them now out on the road and I really like, they, they actually stand out. You can instantly tell now that it's a Tuareg from a distance because mm-hmm. of that new design. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the fact that they're going to do a one hundred and seventy TDI, a two hundred and ten TDI, and then the the two hundred and ten TDR R line, um, and look V eight. No matter what you are talk about, whether it's petrol or diesel, that's got to be cool. You know, in terms of what it'll what it'll put out and what it'll do. Um, yeah, you know, the one hundred and ninety. Obviously, in terms of well, what it'll put out in terms of numbers, it, it's just it's just nuts. But the fuel usage and everything else is pretty cool. Like, the the 210, the 210 will do 0-100 in 6.1 seconds. It's like, mm-hmm. what the? <laughs> you know? It, yeah. it, and it's just, yeah, what it's what just awesome.
2: Do, I do t- I tend to find with Volkswagen, so, like, like, I'm not a big fan of the Tiguan either. I don't think it's particularly attractive looking. But it's when you get up close to them and you see the details on them and go, okay, yeah, they've done a pretty good job. Yeah. So, it's, it, it's, it's typical German where you get in and you can see the amount of effort they've put into all the little bits and pieces that makes the quality product. And, you know, that's that's why they've got the reputation they have.
1: Well, it's, um, that, it's that whole vag. It's that whole Volkswagen auto group. It's the Volkswagen. It's the Audi. It's the Skoda. You know, the, the, those three... Yeah. Brands, even though we're talking at three different price points and spectrums, they are just so well built now. I mean, Skoda, with what they're doing at that other end of the the price point compared to to what
2: Volkswagen are doing and what what Audi are doing. I don't even think they're that divergent, are they? Like, I I don't think... Because I remember Skoda, when they said they were coming in, they were supposed to be like they were going to be a level under Volkswagen and it never materialised. They ended up being around about the same price. I
0: think, they, they, I think that was the story they sold to the Volkswagen board to justify them coming yep. in. And I think they're then going, great, let's, let's just copy and whack our own twist on it and... Kind of yep. pseudo compete. But it's um, slightly not, different. I'm not, if, and I'm it, not upset about that either. Like,
1: I, I think that's great. It's a different brand, in, in, in also respect, is that it's a different branding thing. Those that might buy Volkswagen may not necessarily buy Skoda and vice versa. But I think the yeah, passion. Well, I love for,
2: Skodas and I think Volkswagen are boring. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, so this, <laughs> it's it's that's the thing. It, it's yeah. a different thing. And so, those that have bought Volkswagen, particularly those that have had, you know, I've known people that have upgraded over time that have had a, a a golf GDI that then have bought an R or bought an R wagon, then bought a, then bought a, um, Octavia RS. Well, yeah, they've, they've gone into that Skoda family and then they've come back and yep. they've gone into to Twireg to and, and whatever else. So it, that's the thing is I think it's one of those things that you buy into a brand and then you'll progress through that brand and then the Twireg gives you something at that that top end to aim for if you want something that's bigger. And, and, you know, you look at everything from the entry point at the 170, which starts at about 81, and then you move to the the V8 TDI R line at 136. Like you look the like a little bit. There's
2: something let's, for let's every to price run another point. Another quick tangent because I love tangents. <laughs> um, so my, my wife's uncle has the older version of the. What do you call it? Touareg is it? I call it Touareg, but whatever. Um, Tuareg. The Previous generation, and he he takes it up like double island point takes it on the beach hmm. um not on fraser island doesn't go quite that extreme um I wouldn't imagine this would do the same sort of thing. Do you think anyone's going to care?
1: Well, it's it's still to, it's still I'm using the, the four-motional drive. drive, but it's kind of like the
2: first series, yeah. first-gen Q7. Drag it along the
1: the first-gen Q7 was designed to be used off-road, and it was very, very, very yep. good off-road, and those I know that have had them and used them said it was brilliant off-road. But the yep. Tuareg, I think, is probably... It's designed to have that ability to use the all-wheel drive system, but I don't think it's built in to have our four drives that will do, you know, like your Pajeros. Yeah, and I your know. speech
2: work. I'm not talking yeah,
1: look, about like, I, I would be very intrigued to see what it's like. And I've seen pictures of people using this set of stuff in it. Um, look, the, the the R line might not be the best <laughs> with the twenty inch Nevada alloy like wheels. Any of the photos they got, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, yeah. it, it, it's got the it's got the potential possibly. So, um, yeah, it, it, it'd be interesting to see. But I think it's I think now with the all wheel drive system, most of these are designed for working, particularly probably more snow orientated. Would be my suggestion that they're more designed with when you use all-wheel drive, as opposed to being beach or sand or something like that. So, um, yep.
2: towing horse floats yeah. that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, that all all-wheel drive grip is always better for for that sort of stuff in different conditions than what you know you're designed to use it in the dirt and stuff, dust, dust, and well, and beach and and off-road.
2: Yeah. Hmm. Wow. I'm sure, they know their market. There, a bit. <laughs> 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 Too deep into yeah. that one, sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 that was all me. All <laughs> me. No, no, that's fine. Tangent. Tangents
1: Tangent. are always good. So we go from oh, yeah. being something that uh, is kind of like nice and big and brutal to something small and a bit more compact. Polarizing, dash. <laughs> Polarizing, Polarizing.
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, look, yeah. So BMW have expanded the uh, the two series grand coupe lineup. So they're adding in. So before they had the the 218i, um, and then they had the uh, M235i, and now they've whacked another model right in the middle, uh, the 220i, um, which uh, I don't know. I really enjoyed the 218. I don't. Yeah. It's, it's one of those ones where you go. I think it's 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 placed there for a reason, but you if I don't know, I don't know why. Then I, I don't seems know. a little too incremental. You reckon it's a filling a gap? Yeah. That's- Yeah, so you do get a little bit more power. So it's 141 kilowatt of power um, from the two-litre four-cylinder turbo engine. Zero to 107.2 seconds. M Sport package is standard, which I think is cool um, because I think most BMWs are sold with M Sport package anyway. So it takes out the reason why to bother offering it anywhere else. Um, Uh, But yeah... um, it's, uh, Look, it's priced at 53980 It's only a four $90.
2: grand step up. Yeah. Which is weird. But, I mean, what I like about it is the fact that you do get a a uh, measurable boost in torque. So an extra kilo, 60 newton metres in torque is a lot. And obviously you can see that in the 0 to 100 times going up from 8.7 in the 218 to 7.2 in the, in the 220. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: I, th- yeah. I, I think that's worthwhile just on its own.
0: They don't talk the- about the fuel economy difference. They just, ah. uh, in, in the release, they, they talk about power, <laughs> yeah. torque in 0 to 100, which I think... But see, the the key thing that I found about the 218 is that... I was actually kind of perfectly happy. Like, that gave just enough performance to feel like you could sort of hop around in the city and that kind of thing and not feel like you're, you're just being totally left behind by everything else on the road. Um, yeah. And so I just want to know what that fuel economy penalty is going from that 1.5-litre three-cylinder up to the four-cylinder. Because um, it's also like the consideration is you go from a... Um, that three to four which also means to get paid different rego as well so it's a different like it's a small marginal cost that you have to add in as well every time if that comes to Yeah but ready. I reckon if you're paying 50
2: grand for a car you don't really, you're don't. you not really going to care if you're paying an extra 80 bucks a year in rego Nah um,
1: that's, a, that's a small thing really in the scheme of things
2: Yeah I, I guess Mike so how did you go for fuel economy in the 218 what were you getting? Um,
0: Let me pull up my little list it wasn't too bad let me just
2: because uh... I mean and I know, you know BMW purists are going to hate me but I like the look of this grand yeah,
0: so, I, so I got a real so I got it a realistic really 9.2 cool. 9. Yeah. 9. 9.2 okay um, and in the M235i I got 12.1 so most of oh, yeah right okay a uh, bit of both. You like must have was... a heavy foot, man,
2: because he must. Because I was talking no, to you about I'm, the. I'm, I'm, I was I'm talking to you about the Veloster, and you. Is it, yeah, remember I got five point five out of the Veloster on the highway. The orange. Well, what one did when you get out of the Corolla
0: time? Hybrid? <laughs> uh, four point something. Four. Four point one was my best, I think. Yeah. So my average over nine hundred and thirty-eight k is four point four.
2: So I know how to be economical
0: when I want to be. But that's the thing is the the hybrid's obviously
2: different. You can't say you know how to be efficient because you can drive a hybrid well. They always stay around 4.4. Anyone can do that. No. I can put my nine-year-old in there to get (laughs) 4.4. Well,
0: look, my... (laughs) I, I drive fairly... Fairly normally, spirited. Um, no. <laughs> no, unless it's a performance no. car, then I'll be sort of up front, like that M235i. what did you get? The Supra. Twelve point three. Yeah. Okay. Um, its its claimed figure is seven point seven, but we were doing spirited outback driving, um, like road tripping, so it wasn't really um, a totally fair um, judge of economy for They're that. So where yeah. Um, even though realistically, do you think people in a super will be doing econo- economy runs versus just driving, you know, and having a bit of fun yeah. and getting the most out of the exhaust? Um, yeah, I don't think so. So. Yeah. But, but I mean, I keep... even with the with the BMW,
2: I just... Oh, I don't know. I really want to drive one of these, I think, the Grand Coupe, just to just to get a feel for what modern BMWs are like. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of gum flapping and people complaining about them, but I I bet it's still a pretty damn good car. Oh, look, yeah, it's look like it, the 3
1: it, Series. It really is. The difference between the current 3 Series and the previous 3 Series is chalk and cheese. Like, the new one is so much better. Um,
2: and you expect that more from a taw- general... Tell me it's more tall. Sorry, more talk. It's a, yeah, no, more taut. More taut? More...
1: Uh, look, I think the whole package, like, from looks, like, the look from... Um, the just the the look it, it reminded me. I think it was seven series was the first to go for the new look for that model, and the three series just has that so much sharper edges, much better looking. But just to drive it, and also the um infotainment system and everything else was so much better. Um, I, I suppose I was sport. I managed to spend a couple of hundred k's behind the wheel of the three series, the the current gen. Yeah and <laughs> compared to the last one, but I just I just found it so much better and it was just so nice to drive um, that I'm really intrigued now to drive the 2 Series like Ash has for, for that reason, and particularly that I've driven only the 3 Series which is the 4-door, but I'm intrigued to drive the, the 2 Series as a 2-door just to see what it's like, that Grand Coupe style because I'm, I'm mm. kind of really excited to see what it's like, you know, and whether it feels more like a coupe and and stuff like that so yeah once they um yeah they kind of become available, i'm keen to uh have that conversation with my uh, my friends at bmw and see if i can get hold of one
2: yeah, really the theme I'm trying to get at there is the um, is the BMW purists and how much they've complained now that the BMW is no longer the ultimate driving machine.
1: No, see, um, I, I disagree with that because
3: yeah.
1: having driven that new 1 Series, the 135i is definitely a pure is still a driving machine. The, even though it's yeah. now, like, sure, the the, the the more base 1 Series is front-wheel drive, I've driven the 135i the M135, which is all-wheel drive, it is still such a good car. Like, I love my time in that and and really enjoyed it, but I haven't driven that previous-gen M135, which everyone raved about and how good it was, but... Having driven the newer model, which is all drive, and uh, like I loved it, I thought it was brilliant. I reckon it was such a car, and I need
0: to probably revisit that and have a look at the pricing. Well, the key, the key thing is, is that I think um, we're pretty sheltered here in terms of um, emissions numbers and fuel economy and everything like that. Like we do not have uh, any sort of emissions goals or anything like that. Um, that impact the design of the car the same way which California does or the EU does. And so car designs of the last five or so years have changed dramatically simply because they've had to adapt and find new ways to create a faster car, a more economical car, all while reducing their their emissions. And that comes... And so when they're designing cars and this isn't BMW this is every manufacturer when they're designing a car they have to change their and adapt their design philosophy to adapt that design to meet it and so it it, it, it's kind of unfair to go it's no longer the ultimate driving machine because of what they built before. And you can kind of point your finger at a lot of car brands of they don't build them like they used to, but that's because any of the controls that existed then, like, the, or they, they didn't exist back then and they weren't constrained by that. Like even It's progress, look at, really. Look at, l- look at the uh, Kuntash. The yeah. There's no way you would get that design ever again today because of emissions because of safety ratings because of all these other controls and so the thing is, is that that outlandish design yes lamborghini still make cars that have that same dna but could you say that it's kind of the same thing like if, if you look at their current cars they're going down that hybrid path now um ferrari have done that everyone's going down that route because they have to adapt their design philosophy and their design to meet that. And so the thing is that BMW, just like every other car manufacturer, are building the best car that they can within those very, very tight constraints. That's why the R8 for a little while, um, I think it was last year when they did an update um, to some of the models in the US, they opted to keep the old engine just for the American market because it sounded better
3: huh.
0: versus what the rest of the world got. And that was a conscious decision by Audi because the American market was going to want that better noise because the emissions control meant that the the exhaust sound was a lot more muted. That's why the RS3 went away for six to nine months here in Australia. It only just came back now because it had to get some design changes done to meet the new emissions. Um, and... You then can't say that BMW don't make the ultimate driving machine anymore when they're, when they're producing cars like the M2 competition, the M2 CS. It's like they are hands down some of the best performance cars that you can buy that are real wheel drive um, on the market today within a realistic price range. It's... Yeah, I, I understand why. Like, my favorite BMW ever that I've ever driven is the M3 CSL. And that's naturally aspirated. It had an airbox as big as your head, um, made out of carbon fiber. It, it had a lot of new things in there. It had cardboard boot floors, plastic here, there, and everywhere, full carbon interior. But the thing is that to meet safety standards today, it couldn't exist. If it, to, to meet emissions it wouldn't it wouldn't exist.
1: Well look um, at those American rules for years that you know any car that went from Europe, whatever, went to America had to then have some weird modification yep. to, to you know American bumpers on the on the on yeah, the contage yeah, and yeah, everything yeah, else. Yeah. But yeah, part yeah. of what it is. But yep. Look, you know, the, the whole cafe numbers thing has is, is been big in America and I've been following that kind of conversation for years because it has been so important part of market um but it's part of what brands have to do to stay relevant to Mm. be able to continue to make cars they have to make these changes so they can still keep making cars um so that we can keep having these models in our range
0: yeah Um, uh, now it doesn't always mean that they make the best design decisions um uh, you you'll find that the two series is very polarizing in terms of its looks now it took me a long while to get used to the look and and um to actually like it a lot more i think the same we've discussed it a lot about the um the oh, the four, the four series last week as well yeah. yeah so it's like they they have it's it's not saying that they're always going to make the right decisions because it's just like every car brand, they're going to come out with some doozies of a of a car. Um, but, yeah, rant over. But basically, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is, not, is the future. This rant-ish. is what it is. Um, you know, the, the past is what it is. You're never going to get cars like that again because of just the way the world is. Um, the biggest hope that we have is electric, hydrogen, or anything like that where we're going to get we're seeing insane performance and to see that cost price point get down further, that we can start to see that in a two series, um, yeah, rather than being at an 80 to 100 that I crave car. though. It's not, it's
2: not speed. It's not, I don't want to go around a track faster. I want to feel the car more. You know what I mean? Like EVs, yeah, but are it's fast. but it's a different experience. I've driven a it's dual a different, motor Tesla, and it's a, it's a rocket, but yeah. it doesn't. You don't get any fee- feedback from it except for except for speed, and I, I think that's that's a deficiency for me. Yeah,
0: I think it, it's it's a transition period that that you're used to that that sense of hearing the engine, knowing when you need to change gears, when you need to shift down, and and that kind of thing. We've, we've forever since cars have been around we've been conditioned to to note and basically judge and assess the how much we like a car by how good it sounds and now that definition is slightly changing and it's not always like I, I know people own um, Teslas who, who could have got, bought the P100D but they went for the 75 simply because once you get over the, the acceleration it's really you can't enjoy it that much on Australian roads, so I might as well just buy the yep. um the more sensible one. And but the thing yeah, is yeah the
2: same that guy was talking about that had the the Air, the Model S, yeah. He's now got a Model Three. Mm. He didn't bother getting the performance one because he said there's no, no point.
0: Yep. Yeah. Apart if, from impressing people yep. on the internet and and other Tesla owners, there's really from a a, a truly day to day experience, you don't really get that much extra out of having you know the be able to freak the hell out of everybody when you plant your foot kind of thing. Um, Yeah. That's why, that's why. But still the same
2: thing. You don't, you don't get the satisfaction out of driving it fast either. And therein lies the
0: deficiency. There's, there's the Uh, gap. I've had some fun taking that Nissan Leaf through roundabouts really quickly. And like, I've got where I am. There's a really great string of, Good roundabout ten, oh, like it's definitely not the same as taking the super through there. Um, yeah, but, but did you get also, over? It? Not really. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is that like the, <laughs> the the on the flip side is that the racetracks that are facing increased pressure right now because of noise. Well, if, if, if with if we get more electric race cars oh, or more electric performance cars, all, all of a sudden those no well. It's true. It's it's I not going to happen seen, immediately. I've but, seen formulary. E. Yeah, it's, but it's growing in numbers. It's. I think it, yeah. they get they get locked into to street tracks, which aren't always the best. Um. I think uh, if, if we saw them or some if we if we see if we see if we had a chance to have some real race on there, I think um. I don't know. It it might be a little bit more different, a little bit more entertaining. They use a lot of the, the, the crowd interaction, you know, a lot of the audience interaction to, to, to have effect over the race. But, look, I think the next few years, once we start to get more performance-orientated cars, the Porsche to take on is certainly not upsetting people in terms of pure performance and experience, so... Uh, and at the same time, it's kind of inevitable <laughs> that um, that's the path we're going down. But at the end of the day, coming back to the 2 Series, having a 220i, meh, I think it's another price point <laughs> to keep people happy. After all that. Yeah. It'll be a good car. Um, like gonna, I enjoyed gonna... both the 218 and the M235i. I think they're, they're solid cars for what they are. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But, I mean, you look at the, the difference, say, so, I mean, eight, 8.7 to 100 is kind of slow. Yeah. 7.2 is nice. And then the next step up, which is a sub-five second, you're spending another 20 grand. So mm. I reckon this is probably uh, – I reckon it's a good pick. I reckon they've done a good job mm. slotting that middle that middle one in there. But, but you got
1: to look at
2: it from a, a child, better anyway. From a from a child, like <laughs> um, But look, it's
1: one of those. It's one of those things that you've got to look at from a from a option point in the brand. You've got to look at your different options that you have, and you've got to have these different price points and stuff like that. So, you oh, they're
0: going to do it anyway. Like, yeah. it was, it's it's predictable that that's the uh, the the progression.
1: Well, we're talking about progression. Let's move into our next topic and talk about the new Land Rover Defender that has now come out with a commercial version. And so we're going to have a hard top option, like building this into a Defender. It's going to have a hard top. It's designed as a commercial unit. Come on, guys. We're so close to having a Ute version of the new Defender. Can you just <laughs> turn around and turn this into a Ute <laughs> and, and have this ability? Because they're going to have this hard top option, which is designed, and all the pictures that they've shown in the press release are, are having this ability to put like, a, you know, they've got pictures of, a, I think one of the shots is a forklift moving a pallet in the back of it. Come on guys, you know, you talked about it doing you doing the original development and, and having a new version. Look, let's yeah, just, take just, this, just take this roof off and let's just have an open tray version, but you know well done land rover like let just building this defender we i think uh, i think we're all excited that it's coming um that's going to have a new version um Yeah, and look at the towing, 3,500 kilos. Yeah, exactly. So there's a fair bit of weight that it's going to have. I love that all the pictures in the press kit are all the steel
0: wheel options.
1: Like, (laughs) I I love that. I've been talking with a bunch of other journo mates over the last few months since this thing was released. We've all been having fun on the online. uh, configurator. the on-configurator the building building your own version of it what you can do and, and I think a few of the guys that I know particularly a couple of guys in the States that I've been chatting to have all built it with the steel wheels because it just looks so cool um,
2: oh it's yeah. go crazy for the Land Rovers yeah they love the it the they're just yeah. it's, it's right up there with the G-Wagon as the hmm. You know the well, you urban survivalists.
0: You can see region. this hardtop as well being um, probably pitched as a military vehicle in the UK too. Um, yeah, it's got yeah. that Workers okay. orientation. Just I still like want the to see how
2: they how they end up pricing them. Yeah, it's um, that's that's going to be a big factor. Um, because it's not just you know one of the things about the Defender wasn't just the fact that it was you know essentially indestructible and mostly unstoppable off road. Um, it was that they were extremely durable as well and fairly low maintenance. So, Hmm. um, whether or not the new version lives up to that or not. Uh, and then you compound that support cost with the purchase cost that, you know, that, that makes a big difference for people who are making commercial decisions about buying products. Um, but you, you can't get a front get row jump seat
0: the in the middle, so
2: where do you lose? Yeah, 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 <laughs> <true>. yeah exactly. <laughs> as long as they've got a, uh, a turret just to the front there so you can sit in that jump seat and have your... <laughs> your spotlight
0: you the front it, you It's going to happen. Didn't they have the Defender in the James Bond film? Hmm.
1: Uh, yeah, the, pre- the previous gen they did in um in the last film they I had think, the I think
0: I think the new defenders in the upcoming James Bond. film. It'd have to be. Um, so who knows? We could still see some turrets, locked <laughs> on uh, <laughs> yep. on there. Yeah, but um, let's let's touch back on uh, sales at the moment because uh, LDV have um, come out and since their launch, they've, they've racked up an impressive milestone of 20,000 vehicles sold um, in Australia alone um, since 2014, which for a brand like that is pretty pretty impressive.
1: And a record, record yeah, month for June for years. them... And a 1,000 yeah. units in June. So they're pretty happy with what they've done. Yeah. Um, and they've got a good range now. Like the the G10 has been big with their small business small business owners and stuff like that. Um, the D90 has is really cool. I'm really keen to go have a look at these. I, I'm actually possibly going to have a look at one of these tomorrow for a family member um, just to go and see what it's like. And it'll be pretty cool to go and actually have a look at one. I actually haven't been in one or seen one so i'm keen to see what it looks like on the road and to see what it's finished but then the t60's been really popular which is their their work for for tradies um but they're well spec'd uh in terms of what they're offering like the d90 has the 160 by turbo um and you know it's they're they're working toward they've got five cap uh, five star and cap, uh, so yeah, I'm I'm in, I'm intrigued to see what you know how these guys do. They've kind of been under the radar. I think when they launched the the D90, I think that kind of opened them up to to the market in terms of for moving away from the trading market and for the family market.
2: Um, yeah. Cause and it's, it's quite iconic. it's one of those vehicles that people – it's one of the ones that people look at now and go, oh, what's that? Whereas before, yeah. the other things were unremarkable or they were trade vehicles and no one was paying attention. But yeah. I've, my wife's pointed out a few of these. We've had a, a couple around the sunny coast that we've seen, and they, they do stand out. They're a pretty decent-looking vehicle.
3: Well, the funny thing is – I can't
2: comment on the rest of it, but I mean, – They're 20th.
1: 1000 version the 20000 model they sold was actually a D90 um, yep. so that's quite interesting in that respect that what it is um, so yeah I'm intrigued to see the and it was actually sold from a dealership near my place which is the one I'm off to visit tomorrow so oh, yep. um, I'm I'm really keen I I need to hit up our friends at LDV and actually try and get behind the wheel of one cuz they've been they've I've been watching them for a while, and I'm, and particularly with the D90, and it's it's kind of been one of those things that I'm really intrigued to see what it's like. Having driven the Sunyongs and 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 stuff, and I still haven't driven a Havel. I'm keen to drive that as well. But that that Chinese automotive brands, as much as this kind of a very negative spin on the Chinese brand at the moment, obviously, because of what the history of COVID and stuff like that. The Chinese are producing some really, really good models. Like MG, There, we've talked about the MG models and, and what they've created with um, their new HS and stuff in the past. Mm. Um, the LDV, I haven't had a chance to actually drive. I'm really keen because if it's anything like, you know, the other models that are coming out of that market, they're really well spec, they're really well priced, and they're great to drive. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really intrigued to, to see, and it's great to see they're doing so well, but I'm really intrigued to see what they do, you know, moving forward and what else they offer. I mean, MG are moving forward in, in terms of what they're trying to do with more stuff. But, yeah, um, I'll be interested to report back next week. If we get a chance to go down and check out the D90 um, over the weekend, I'll be intrigued to sort of report back. But, yeah, they're really uh, they're doing well in the market.
2: Yeah, do you reckon, do you think China are where Hyundai were sort of five to seven years ago? Are they yeah, probably, at a level where you need to watch them yet? I don't think they're quite there yet, are they?
1: I'd say that five to seven, probably closer to that seven years ago, maybe, Mark, where they were coming yeah. into the market. But I think, would you say that sort of the keys and the Hyundai probably really came strong in the last three to five mick i reckon in terms
2: of yeah yep um so the latest well when i when i drove the previous generation i30 i got in it and went yeah it's it's not a bad car and I, yeah. drove the, I drove the SR, which is uh, uh, direct-injected two litre, and I loved the engine in it, but the car itself, you know, needed a bit of work. It was a little bit squishy, a little bit not quite there, but I could see the appeal for other people. Um, but then it was just this latest generation of, of i30 that came out. So when was that? That would have been probably the last four years, I'm mm. guessing. And that really was a um, probably a two generational leap as far as normal car development goes. Like we get another car, another established brand where they go from one generation to another. Hyundai seemed to skip a middle a middle generation and go straight to the next one. You know what I mean? Know that that much better putting the putting the next version out. Um, I've actually got a Samsung coming up in a couple of weeks, which is another Korean brand, not the Chinese brand. So it'll be interesting to see what level they're at. You know, whether, what, you, what have you got booked? I uh, think it's Tivoli XV. Okay. I'm not sure. Uh, I can't remember offhand, but uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see what that's what that's like as well to see if they're getting back up to that level as well. Because I mean, oh, they've
3: they've
1: come a long way. I think that yeah. that Korean for them um, in terms of what they're creating now and what the product that they're. Um, delivering to the market uh, is amazing and I think they are probably if LDV are at the same point as what they are and I think they're pretty close I think it'll be really really good for the market the problem is is that and it's a shame because I've seen a lot of stuff particularly what MG have been posting and a few others recently there's a lot of anytime you meet meet you mentioned China at the moment, the hatred for that. Just just because it's China, uh, yep. it is really hard. But if you go, it's kind of like when Holden changed to the new Commodore that was basically the Opal based thing. Sure, no matter what it is, it's not Australian built. It's not Australian manufactured. It's built somewhere else. It's not what you're used to. Just go and drive it. Go and yeah, drive it. Definitely. Go and experience it because it oh, will really be You'll be surprised. Yep. The Commodore was brilliant. This Chinese slash Korean brands that are unknown, like you know, like LDV. You know,
2: developing, yeah, you've got to give yeah. it a shot.
1: You've got to drive it. You've got to see what it's like because you get into it, have no going in, have no feelings or whatever to it, um, have, yeah. and, and, and go being underwhelmed, you'll be blown away, particularly something like the Corando from Sunyong. now. That thing is just absolutely brilliant. It's so well-specced. You know, they're doing their research. They know what the Australian market needs. Um, and I think LDV's in that in that same point.
2: Yeah. Cool. So well done, LDV. Twenty thousand vehicles doesn't sound like a lot, but in six years, in an emerging brand, I reckon that's that's pretty decent.
0: Pretty impressive.
2: Yeah. Yep. Uh, I, so... I don't think Cherry would have gone through the same celebrations. No. No. <laughs>
1: Well, for a while, you know, for so long they were they were banned from, from Victorian market. And, you know, I think because of their safety record and they, they all realise now that they need to be better off in terms of their safety and they're all moving towards trying to beat that five-star market point.
2: hmm and you're not allowed to have asbestos in your brakes anymore. That's definitely thing. <laughs> <enough.
0: laughs> it's been a thing
2: for a while
3: now.
1: <laughs> so we're going to go from uh, talking about something,
0: you know. Economical. To, to something uh, that is just
1: like way out in terms bonkers. of horsepower
0: numbers. Mm. So you have to tell me. So the so Hennessy have um, confirmed... Pricing, I can't quite see it on my screen because the only info I can see is about the, uh, is their four hundred thousand US dollar six by six Goliath, um, but that's not what we're getting down to. That's that's a completely different kettle of So
1: Hennessy um, is, is if you if you do know the brand, you'll know that they're a performance um performance manufacturer from from America. So they've been working on everything from Corvettes to Cadillacs to to Mustangs to everything. And so Hennessy they've built their own supercar and, and they've been they're kind of like they're like a Shelby, but they're from the Midwest. So they're they they're away from Vegas and where Shelby are based and they're like John Hennessy's created some amazing cars over the time. So, a while back, Hennessy did a deal with a company in Adelaide um to do their products in Oz and so they've been modifying Mustangs and and everything else for a while so it's been cool I got this email during the week and it's like this is cool they're they're branching out so obviously we know the Chevrolet Silverado 1500 has been sold big in Oz um -hmm. as we've talked about previously with what Walkinsure and stuff have been doing so now you've got the ability to turn your uh 1500 silverado into a 700 horsepower supercharged goliath so it's called the hennessy goliath which uh is just unbelievable it takes the 7 the 420 horsepower naturally aspirated engine into a 700 horsepower Engine by fitting a two-point nine-liter supercharger, high-flow intercooler in system, upgraded air intake, custom Hennessy performance camshaft, um, as well. So it's unbelievable in terms of what it'll do. So you know we obviously know that these bigger trucks have been selling well. If you want to take it to the next level, then you can go and see the guys at Hennessy and and yeah and create your Goliath uh, in terms of it. Mm. So it's not just the engine and work that they do. They obviously were dyno test. They do road testing and everything else, but then they also do a Goliath front bumper. Um, it's improved LED lighting in the bumper, the bumper as well. It's cool, it's got a really nice LED light bar in the bottom of the bumper as well. Yeah, nice Um, and integrated. Yeah, 20 inch. 20-inch Hennessy 10-spike wheels, 35-inch Toyo off-road tyres, 6-inch lift kit. It looks so cool. Mm. Uh, and then, obviously, Hennessy graphics. Um, Three-year limited warranty, but 30, 36,000 miles, which is weird. Coming from this, it's, it's in miles as opposed to Ks. Um, and then you can also do the option of having a, a diamond-stitched interior, a ram hood, Um Stainless steel cap back system, retractable electronic bed cover, which is the all the rave now of having a U, and then up, upgraded electronic fold out steps as well. So, um, no talk of pricing, uh, but you can speak to the guys at KPM Motorsport in South Australia, who have a couple of different agents around the country. But yeah, it looks really, really tough. Uh,
2: but yeah, if you if you don't them, forget that might all fall into your. Um into your instant tax write off just
3: uh, your account. <laughs> yes, <it's> exactly speak <laughs> to your
1: like to your accountant and see whether it helps but yeah Check it's your
0: eligibility
2: <laughs> it's
1: great to see the stuff this sort of stuff happening and and you know it, it, yeah, hennessy have been one of those guys that have created this amazing um, stuff they've already worked with a new corvette and stuff like that so yeah the you know being a fan of SUVs and and wagons and stuff yeah i think two thumbs up what well on hennessy it's good to see these things coming under coming down to us <laughs> with the Silverado. It's
2: good to see yeah, it's good to see that they're they're paying attention to the Australian market too. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Um,
3: and,
1: and, and yeah. Kay, and, uh, um, Kayfee and motorsport have been, KPM. have been one of those things in the background. They've been building that Hennessy brand. They've done a few things in terms of a lot of the models that Hennessy has been offering overseas. They've brought them to us. Um, I'm not sure exactly how much they've sold into Oz in terms of some of these models, but they did some really cool, um, limited edition stuff, uh, over the last couple of years. um, I went to a launch of their product uh, through the Vic dealers a couple of years ago, and uh, it was very interesting to see what they're doing. But yeah, it, it's cool to see, and uh, I'm excited to see. Hopefully, we might see a few of those hitting the roads in uh, in Oz. Mm.
2: You'll
0: definitely
1: you know, I just do see find
0: them. it hilarious <laughs> that um, we we're talking about a 1.5 liter three cylinder BMW, and this alone has a 2.9 liter supercharger. <laughs> yep. Yeah my perspective.
2: <laughs> well, I, I like the I like the next option that you've gone with as well, Joel, and your selection. I thought you would, Mickey. I,
1: I I thought of you when I when I put this into the, the story list tonight. I don't know how this kind of slipped through my week, but uh, I go back when I, when we're writing the show notes for the week. I generally try and catch everything that's happened, and uh, I'm not kind of sure how I missed this. I think I might have marked it to come back to it at some stage, but yeah, our friends at Dodge um who I have been following the last couple of years in terms of what they're creating. You only have to say Dodge and Hellcat uh, and and see what is they've created. Mm. They've just gone absolutely bonkers, you know, they've, they've they've updated the Challenger and the Charger in terms of um, horsepower numbers and stuff and 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 new models. But they've taken it one further. They've created the Durango SRT Hellcat which they're claiming is the most powerful SUV ever. Now, the link I sent you, boys, you need to go and have a look at because you need to watch the video, particularly either the the vehicle rundown or the the press video because the noise this thing makes with the supercharger, it's 710 horsepower, 640 foot-pounds of torque uh, with the 6.2-litre Hemi Hellcat engine. So that's the Hellcat engine that they normally put into the Challenger and the Charger into an SUV, which is now capable of three and a half seconds, not 060, which is roughly about 0 to <laughs> 97 kilometres yeah. an hour. That is just insane. That even uh, meets your
2: lofty standards, doesn't it, Ash? 3.5 seconds for 100. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fast enough for me. Eleven point five for a quarter—that's crazy. The
1: thing is, it's going to be made for the it twenty twenty-one model year only. They're only going to make it for the next year's model, and it's only me for one year. This thing—I wish they brought—they made the Durango in left-hand in right-hand drive, because it would be so cool to see. But literally, we need to post a link somewhere, Ash, to the video because the noise this thing makes is. Unbelievable! It will tow eighty seven hundred pounds. Um, it has a track, sport, snow, and two drive modes. Um, no SUV in the world can tow more or carry more with yeah, a so faster. That's quarter mile. four for people playing at home. It will no more than a faster quarter mile time than this thing. It is absolutely tough as look. I know it's kind of like a lifted wagon, uh, Mickey, but it's got to be some serious hashtag SUV wagon.
2: It's, yeah, it's in between a Jeep Cherokee and what would have been the Dodge Magnum, which they ended up shooting in the head. Yeah. Um, Which, you know, I had had an argument with a guy about this the other day on Instagram. Not really an argument, but I just... The idea sounds cool, but... For me, when you get this much speed and this much power in a platform like this, which sits kind of high, which is the enemy of cornering performance, it does everything fantastic in a straight line, but 710 horsepower for something like this, its whether it goes around corners well or not will be hard to... Hard to define. You'll probably corner well for an SUV. (laughs) I'd yeah, I really, I desperately want to love it, but I just it's don't try and do
1: don't try and do circle wing it, work in it. You only have to look at the Grand Tour episode where Richard Hammond tries to do it in a um, Grand Cherokee. Oh, the uh, Trackhawk. The Trackhawk. He just fails miserably. It just won't do a burnout, but it will it will corner reasonably well because you know they've spent time and money building it and making it work in terms of the suspension and everything else but, you know, it, it's talking about uh, more responsive with 20% increase in total rebound control um, more stability turning causes an improved roll grade in a 5% and um, yeah, you know, rebound improvements over,
2: uh, over what, though? You know
1: what I mean? Oh, over standard Durango,
2: but, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I'm thinking, too, it's made in America, so it's going to weigh 45,000 kilos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuel economy is
0: not going to be the thing yeah. that you... Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, they won't care.
2: I mean, I know this... Americans, and, and this was... Um, Something that I learned about um, American car design is that they designed things to be able to, you know, do Route 66 or go from one town to another across great highway expanses and it's boring and you just go in a straight line so you want to go as fast as you can and that's what american cars do they go in a straight line and they go very fast but they're not so good going around around the corner so surely yeah it's photoshopped
3: (laughs) (laughs) but i mean
2: i just the i do yeah i i struggle sometimes with the um Uh, I guess the basis for American design always starts from that point. You've got to be able to go fast in a straight line. Mm. And that's what they always prioritize and everything else, whether or not it suffers from that, I'm not so sure, but they always start from that wrong baseline. It was like I was saying with the i30N versus the Veloster. You start with a sports car and then you make it faster versus having a... um, uh, a regular commuter car and then you make that faster yeah. gonna- um you know the, the durango is a people mover and they've made it faster so it's always going to start from a compromised base it's going to sound awesome i know that for sure and it's going to go fast in a straight line pretty sure i'm pretty confident on that as well but yeah for me i reckon uh, if i had the option i'd probably give it a pass
0: Oh, hand in your license now. That's... <laughs> nah. Can't believe
3: I'm hearing nah. that.
2: <laughs> I, I would prefer a well balanced V6 to an absolute barnstorming V8, um, one of these, any day of the week because it's the level of performance from that engine is taking away outside the envelope of what a vehicle of that particular configuration should be doing.
3: But
0: this defies physics. How on earth does something that big move that fast without... I don't know. The 6.2-litre
2: V8 though. Hemi and V8 and all-wheel drive. Look, <laughs> big it's, not as big as, yeah. it's not as
0: big of a H- Hemi it could be. Um, I, yeah, I'd true. call it fairly It's not a 7-litre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought the all cats were 7-litres, actually. Uh, what's that one Is the, the There's
3: that the, the devil
2: cat.
0: Yeah, they've the, got a few different ones floating around for special editions and that kind of
2: thing. Oh, if this isn't even the biggest motor, forget it. I don't even want it.
0: Look, you're thinking practically, all right? Practic- <laughs> practicality, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Not all bad, right. it looks Next- cool. <laughs> well, I've shared that link on uh, Daily Autofix as well, the Facebook page, so if you jump on there, you'll be able to see the, uh, the uh, video, which, uh, yeah, we highly recommend you uh, check out. And listen to that sweet
1: sound of the supercharger.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, coming up next, uh, the info about the Ford Bronco. We're going to know all about it soon. Um, Ford and Disney. Um, partner it up uh, basically at the end of the day they've just booked some ads and they're just telling us when those ads well, are going to be on <laughs> um, but it's going to yeah. be but the cool uh, thing
1: is they've gone out and created these three fil- these three minute films that are going to talk about the Bronco in different ways and, and they're going to spread it out like different networks within that, A- that Disney family between ABC ESPN National Geographic they're going to have different options uh, in terms of what they're showing and we're actually seeing from that graphic we're seeing an even stronger look at what the Bronco front end will look like Um, but yeah you look at it across the split I mean ABC we're going to have um three-minute film, ESPN is going to have a different three-minute film, um, National Graphic and then Hulu and then the Ford social channels will actually have them as well. So it's next week, it's the 13th of July, um, which is about 8 p.m., which they're saying, which will be sort of the 14th in our time. But it's only going to cost you $100 U.S. to actually record to reserve your own um Bronco if you want to do it so for as a deposit for a pre-order that's pretty impressive it's probably got at least another zero or so at the end um yeah the question is is will we see when they're released that the rumors we've heard that it might be made in possibly right-hand drive as well. We can mm. only hope, and pray, but um, for our American friends, they're going to have the opportunity to 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 secure theirs. Um, and yeah, we're uh, I'm excited to see the the final reveal. We've seen the photos, we've seen lots of spy pics uh, and whatever else. So let's hope that um, you know that we may get to see it possibly come here. Uh, If not, you know, when we get the ability Mm -hmm. to travel, I think we might have to to head over to the US and uh, certainly check one out.
2: Yeah, one way or another, I'll be looking anyway on July... Well, July 14th, it'll be for us, like you said. Mm. I'll be interested to see what it is. I Just, yeah, it it should be... uh, I'm just trying to think of a... Uh, you know, there was a there was a series of vehicles that came out in the US there for a while where they all went to the retro styling and um, got fairly popular. So the most obvious one was the Prowler, which was a very popular hot rod looking style Dodge, um, which was actually kind of rubbish, but it looked fantastic. Um, Chevrolet had things like the SSR, which was the convertible Ute with a V8. Um, oh, was it the SSR? Yeah, I think you're right. HSR. Uh, what's, what's the other one? The HR something? I can't
1: no, remember the one. The SRI, SSR is that retro looking bulb nose thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, So that one yeah. had the 5.3 litre um, V8 with a pretty ordinary four speed auto in it. But it and a six litre LS2 incredible. as well. Yep. Um, and they had a whole bunch of other stuff come out like this is around the time of the PT Cruiser and all those sorts of things they had the um, the Ford Thunderbird had a retro looking design came out just wondering if this Bronco is kind of the thin end of the wedge for another one of those cycles where everybody starts regurgitating old name brands again and trying to get oh, a oh well bit don't of
0: forget there's an electric Hummer coming
2: so yeah and that's probably going to look a lot like a Hummer I yeah. would imagine
0: I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, Let's it's going it. to be a similar, similar design and that sort of thing. So, um, but the more impressive now is because it's electric. But this thing is going to have a combination of engine options and thing like and things like that. So, um, yeah, like I'm intrigued. I think everyone's ex- really excited to see that it's finally happening it's been delayed um the original launch was based was going to be on the anniversary of um oj's uh chase um which was who's thought of that but then it's it's been shifted now to a to a date a little bit later
2: but uh something potentially less controversial (laughs) just a little
3: bit Um,
2: but yeah I, i still found like um Bronco was one of the ones that, you know, one of those names from my childhood when I was a kid growing up. Um, I knew somebody that owned a Bronco and I just thought it was the best thing since sliced bread. But again, that was the big V8 noise, just the size of it. And it just, I don't know, it felt like a, um, I don't know, it, it felt like a real ranchers, real cowboy type car. It just, I don't know, had had it had an air of something else that, that nothing else on the market had at the time. It just felt big and tough and, yeah. Hopefully, well, I, I, knew the, I know the new one isn't going to be big and tough, but they're going to probably try and make it look big and tough, and that'll just happen.
1: Well, to you know, the, the, the basis of it is done and gone and done Bahar and stuff like that, so they've worked on it yep. being being tough. It's We don't know exactly what kind of versions we're going to get officially yet. Um, there may be something that's designed more around, you know, that kind of off-road feeling and stuff like
2: that. But Bronco
1: Raptor. Yeah, f- yeah, well, you know, it'd be, be nice to see, but uh, yeah, who knows what we're going to get, but yeah, it's cool to See that they are going to offer some options, yeah, and what engine options we get as well.
0: So, I don't want to alarm anyone, but we've got five minutes until uh. The second practice session, <laughs> I'm not counting or anything, so
1: yeah. that's right. But it'll be slow to start with, it's only the last sort of 10 minutes you really want to watch of that. <laughs>
0: True, <laughs> but um, it is an exciting time for it to be back. Um, but let's let's touch through a couple of other um key international news. One, um, the new Bentley Bentayga um to me it kind of looks like a bit of a minor update nice refresh I think um surprising that it's been you know as long as it has since the been first went on sale um five years ago so it doesn't feel like that long um but yeah but yeah, it's I think good. it's it's big, it's the important Luxo. thing. I think it's
1: the info, the infotainment system. I think is probably one of the biggest things that yes. that, it, that it's done, uh, yep. in terms of that respect. So, um, yeah, it's 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 kind of cool to see that they've done a, an update uh, in terms of what it what it what it's doing. It's had a, a, a retweaked exterior with front and rear um, changing to, to suit more its current DNA. Um, in Improved trim as well, and seats, and increased legroom, which I think is weird because there's plenty of space in it at the moment. (laughs) Um, But like the typical things now with stuff is it's got wireless uh, Apple CarPlay um, with Android Auto, so it seems to be it's good to see that most brands now are working with both, um, not just Mm -hmm. an Apple CarPlay update, but that also looking at Android Auto because so many people now because particularly talking to you two gentlemen that are both using an Android-based phone traditionally um, mm. that we're seeing, you know, that, that that is more and more important in, in that option. Um, but, yeah, it's good it's good to see that option. i will be see when these things finally land down under.
0: Absolutely. I think, um, yeah, great-looking cars, I think, in general. Kind of, it was a bit polarizing at the start, I think, of having these big uh, luxury SUVs come along, but I think they've settled into the market
2: nicely. Yeah, yep, yep. I I was the same. Like, I saw one... um you know, I saw the press photos first, as you usually do. Yeah. And thought, oh, really? But then I saw one in the flesh and I was, yeah, I was just wiping my chin. <laughs> it, just, it was glistening. It was beautiful. And it was like a bronze color or something. And it was just, it, it, it's the same with anything, you know, like, like I was saying before with the Volkswagens, when you get up close and you see the detail of things and you see the level of effort and the, um, the care that's been, put into making everything fit perfectly and everything meshing exactly right. That's you, you can't you can't beat that level of detail. It's it just immediately lifts the reputation of anything you're looking at, I think. I mean I, I like to look at things and check out details and you know, sometimes you're disappointed. I certainly wasn't mm. disappointed with the uh, – I can't even say it properly. I thought it was Britannia or something. But what is it? How do you, how do you guys Bentayga. say it? Bentayga. 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 Yep. But a, a beautiful-looking <laughs> car for people who can yeah. afford to have beautiful things. Mm-hmm. So it is what it is. And I, I was actually surprised. The um, I don't even know if I'm going to say this one right either. Mulsanne? M- Mulsein. Yeah, M- one, you, first
1: first go was good, Mulsanne?
2: Mulsanne? gone dead. Yeah, on the head. I actually thought they looked fantastic.
1: Oh, they, mm. they current and I've seen a few
2: too. Unbelievable. It's a, yeah, it that had a really striking presence. Of, I I think much more. Um, A lot more classy than the Rolls Royce, which is—it looks like a gangster rapper's car. (laughs) You know what I mean? Looks like it's supposed to be. Maybe a few
0: <laughs> years ago, but I think the slight... Yeah, updates the older they've ones. Had, yeah. um, ...to the Rolls-Royce face has kind of modernized it a little bit and sort of stepped a little bit further away from... Uh, oh, the, yeah,
2: you know, for sure. Once, they once up. BMW initially took it over, it's I, I think they lost their identity for a while, but yeah. now they're back to being beautiful cars. But mm. it's... Yeah, they went downhill for a little while there. But I still think... Rick?
0: Um, the Bentley versus the current roles. Where do you. Um, I've spent more time in the Cullen and the roles than I yep. have the the Bentley they're both Um,
1: they're both very different kind of styles like
0: you're talking you're talking big money difference like if you're talking the SUVs you're almost like a a quarter to half to even double the price depending on what spec you go for the Rolls Royce versus the the Bentley like it's kind of like the modern status of where Rolls Royce fits is kind of very different to traditionally where it was where it was competing against very much up against the Bentley, up against the Maybach. Um, these mm. days, Rolls-Royce kind of sit in their own little world. So. Yeah, so they've, they've now really defined, and I think Bentley have come down, a not in a bad way, but have focused a little bit more and going, okay, the Continental, we're going for that real GT Tourer um, yep. sports car space um, rather than going for the Super Luxo, um, you know, passenger vehicle, because even the Wraith, um, from Rolls Royce, which you could say oh, is a is a Continental competitor, but you're talking like double the money and just different worlds of performance. and it actually, and actually,
2: now you mentioned the Wraith, that looks about five thousand times better than the Bentley.
0: Yeah, that is, and and that's saying the Continental, the the current generation is a great is still car.
2: a very nice looking car. Yeah, but it's yeah yeah I guess you're right the um, things like the Wraith, they're sort of, ooh, they're kind of transcending the regular commercial vehicle-type space and moving into the, you know, I've got lots of cars, I'm now buying a, a mobile sculpture rather than... <laughs> exactly.
1: Well, then you look at yeah. something like the Cullinan, which is different again. In terms of what that is, it's just absolutely yeah.
2: brilliant. I haven't had a lot to, to look at those ones yet, but, yeah, they're just... Rolls Royce are really, yeah. I guess you're right. They're really sort of elevating themselves a little bit higher these days.
0: And they're finding they're finding that that space which they can occupy up there is, um, like, I wouldn't cars, say empty, but yeah, no. But we're finding that these car, there are some car makers. You could say Pagani, Koenigsegg, very much that next rung above even. Because you think about it, people buying those cars are. You know, they're buying a a $10 million yacht. Um, They're buying, like, you know, the types of items. And so when you look at the cars, um, even super luxury cars like Rolls Royce, you go, they're pretty cheap in comparison to the rest of the stuff that those types of clients are buying. Um, So, how can we sort of elevate and fill that gap a little bit more? Because they're willing to spend the money on those other types of products. Why not? Why can't they spend You know, spend that on a on a car. So that's why you'll find that the the Pagani Huayra is a 5.5 million dollar Australian. You know, that's Australian dollars landed, um, or even you know three to four million dollars for the Koenigsegg. Um, you know, there's there's definitely it's small, but there's definitely a market out there for, you know, that that next level above um, in terms of luxury and exclusivity.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you if you're gonna jump out of your Wally Power speedboat, you don't want to step into a, you know, just a lowly continental GT, do you? That everybody else is driving. You know, so. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Tough
0: times out there, tough times. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. My my condolences. <laughs> <laughs> um so let's so this is an interesting one this other one it's made the rounds a little bit online but it's the Ineos Gren- Grenadier, Grenadier? No, it's, pro- it's, it's pronounced Land Rover
3: <laughs> Well
0: you, 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 If you look at an image you'll be Forgiven for thinking that it's A, a, a previous generation Defender yeah. And it's caused a few ripples because Of it And um, yeah, it's... A...
2: I've been following these guys for a while. Yeah. Um, so, and they were kind of clever the way they did it. They started off showing things like, because the idea is supposed to be that this is a utilitarian vehicle. It's supposed to be about off-road capability and towing capability and being a tough truck and all that sort of stuff. So, when they started doing their social media presence, they focused on those things. They were showing the drivetrain. They were showing diffs and wheels and suspension work and stuff like that. And then I saw the picture of it when they showed the actual design. I went, oh, it's mm. a Land Rover. <laughs> but, I mean, it's... I, 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 to be honest, Why I was kind of let down. I was, ex- I was expecting something new and different. I wouldn't have... You know, I wouldn't have been disappointed if it was utilitarian like the old Defender, but yeah. to take so many design cues, I reckon that's a bit of a middle finger. I, do you
0: think, ja- do you think uh, Jaguar Land Rover will... Um... Have some formal words via the courts about would the design. Possibly think,
1: but yeah, there, there, there's there's a fine line in terms of how you actually interpret that sort of stuff. So I'm intrigued to see where, if it does go that way, what they would, how they would look at it.
2: Um, you know, Ineos would just say, "No, we based it on the land, on the uh, on the original Nissan Patrol." Yeah. Yeah. guess <laughs> it looked basically the same it's 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 a box i mean everybody understands that it looks like a land rover because that's a familiar shape but there's there's a few other boxes a bit <clears throat> that have been around as well but I, I just when i look at it i just think why why would you do that What's what's the point? Because nobody's going to look at it and say, "Well, you know, oh, it works." Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you do, but I mean, by the by the same point, it's a uh, it's it's a little bit more of a middle finger the fact that they've ripped off a um, an iconic British design and then powered it with German engines, mm. you know, from BMW, and they're still competing directly against. Oh, they probably won't be. And, and this against, is the great very similar to the to the new Defender.
0: Yeah, and this is the great sort of hilarious twist that that caused a bit more attention online as well. Is that it's got BMW engines, and they've worked with BMW to do that. But the Mercedes. Band, like the Mercedes AMG F1 team tweeted out saying, Our friends at ENEOS have, you know, check out the great thing that they've created. And everyone's responding, going, But, uh, it's BMW motor. <laughs> it, in that press release, it's got a, it, it clearly says it's got a BMW motor. What part did you have in it? Um, <laughs> Yeah. So I think there was a bit of confusion. Um, just a and, little bit. It's kind of like a weird kind of what the? Well, I, I kind of thought, oh, is it the PR company that made a mistake and they tweeted from the wrong account? Because um, that's what it felt like. Cause <laughs> yeah, it it's, just, it's, it's just something that doesn't quite a, you know, the F1 team is, you know, it is a separate-ish entity. But yeah. yeah, it just it doesn't really on the surface. I, I don't know what the connection is, but well, it definitely doesn't make a lot of big sense.
2: Mercedes Benz symbol on the back of the car ain't cheap, <laughs> and it's not <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> it's right. not a propeller. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, but it's not. Oh, okay. um, speaking of uh, social media faux pas, i will just go quickly on this tangent and come straight back. Um, BMW M Sport account in the US. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that one where they they tweeted yeah. about pure driving experience and Look. then tweeted heel and t- but T-O-W. Oh,
0: oh really? <laughs> that's a yeah. They had the manual transmission coming back. yeah. And, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know if you could say that autocorrect or just the lack of automotive experience. Oh, man, a, if you're running the BMW M
2: Sport account, you should not have to rely on autocorrect to be able to no, figure no, out that's terminology. That's, yeah.
1: that's yeah. not going well.
2: No. No. Right. No, and everybody who read it, who knows anything about cars, would have seen that straight away and gone, "That's completely wrong." But at least they didn't spell "heal" H E A L because that would have just been <laughs> yeah, a topper.
3: That's
2: right. mm-hmm. and, but anyway, back to these guys. Um, Hashtag twenty twenty.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's right.
2: <laughs> but I, I still see. To me, this will now always look like um, it's it's like a it's like having a Chinese ripped off IP Land Rover. It's now an imitation Land Rover while the real Land Rover is in, is available on the market. Yeah, yeah. Silly, very silly, in my opinion. Mm. We'll see how it goes, I guess. Uh, yep.
0: Once, uh, you know,
2: they start getting deliveries. Yeah, because, I mean, BMW are well-known for all their off-road vehicles, so mm-hmm. I'm sure it'll go fine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, let's move on to a couple of uh, cars that we don't get here. Just the uh, well, they're not, they're coming, but they're not here yet. So the um the Audi e-tron S and the Audi e-tron S Sportback, another good-looking uh, car, but uh, it's a uh, three electric motors with three up to three hundred and seventy kilowatts of power, nine hundred and seventy-three newton meters of torque. Um, sort of starting to make electric cars really exciting, don't you think? Yeah, it'll do some mad skids. (laughs) <laughs> Very
1: excited to see this hit, Oz, um, in both specs. They've been talked about for a while um, overseas and uh, good to see that we're actually getting some confirmation that they will mm. be here second half of 2021. Um, prices, pricing and specs for us are to be confirmed closer to release. But, yeah, it's it's cool to see. They are such both great-looking cars, particularly the sports back. Um yeah, it's, it's one of those things I think Audi have been pushing very big in this e tron space for a while. Um, and the fact that we're they're talking more and more about getting them, um, I drove one of the first A3 e trons a while back and was very impressed with that. And that was obviously the plug in version, um. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm very, very excited to see them get here. Um, We've talked a lot about them overseas. Um, So, yeah, they're one of those things I think we're excited to see and can't wait for them to hit in Oz.
2: Yeah, to be honest, I'm pretty keen to see these ones here as well. As much as I've just gone on about how... Um, how how electronic yeah, vehicles are crazy. going to be robbing stuff. Um, yeah, but, I mean, like th- th- this is a good-looking car, and this will serve a, a really good purpose, and it is no doubt going to be very fast, and um, it's going to make a lot of people very happy. I'm mm-hmm. happy just looking at it. Um, yeah. You know, would it be better with an all-wheel drive V8? Probably not by the look of these stats. Um, But it'll be interesting to see how they go as far as, um, you know, making the most out of um, batteries, which they're going to get better at. Um, The usage rates and the recharging and everything, the practicality is going to get there. Um, And eventually I will be recognised as being a crusty old man and everyone else will be out having fun (laughs) doing 0 to (laughs) 102.5
3: seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
2: But, yeah, um, yeah, it is good to see that uh, the... Electronic, the EV market in Australia is broadening. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: No, it's uh, well, broadening even further. Well, not officially yet, but uh, the the Mustang Mac E, the um, the all electric SUV. Uh, no, from, that's, uh, that's pronounced Mache. Mache. <laughs> <All
3: right.
0: laughs> Perfect for when you're going to Tajay. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> so, uh, nice little bonus for those um, getting ready to place their deposits over in the US. They've actually upped, uh, done a little bit of uh, an upgrade for horsepower and torque um, for the specs of it. So it's, um, yeah, just a... Because it's just a nice little bonus. Obviously, they've made some progress during the the COVID nineteen shutdown um, that they've obviously been able to unlock and, and find a way to extract a little bit more performance without impacting uh, range or, or you know cooling or anything like that. So um, that's a nice little thing. And I and I and I wonder just like how um, our phones and other electronic devices get software updates as they find bugs or yeah you know, as they yeah. discover that they can do things better. Do you, yep. do you ever see, and I know the answer is probably a very strong no, but do, do you see kind of maybe not to the same degree as that Tesla might go down, but, but say, let's say in three months' time, um, Ford goes cool we can actually make this car a little bit faster or get a little bit of extra range let's push out a, an update to, to do that for people because we've found a better way to you know optimize this this system or something like that um, do you see that happening or do you see it they kind of they save it for a, a new model year um, to sell more cars
1: I think that's one of those things they're in development for it. So as they see that they can find benefits they're they're kind of passing it on and we've we've seen that with obviously, you know, the marquee and and they're trying to do the best that they can in terms of that and pushing stuff out. So yeah, I think it's one of those things. If, if they can find an advantage or do something to help along, particularly with this, you know, this electric um, model range, that if they can find an advantage that they can bring to the market ahead of time, they'll certainly do it.
2: Mm. Yeah, I think it's an interesting point that you that you made though, Ash. Um, what is um, what's the motivator to upgrade? Yeah. Um, if, if you're already getting the upgrades over the air, why would you mm-hmm. buy a new car? And that certainly changes the dynamic of ownership quite severely. <laughs> just as severely as um battery life is going to um seriously affect ownership propositions now as well yeah um i mean if they're getting five years out of a battery then your resale value is going to be pretty awful Hmm. but if they do go to um some other type of uh, model which they have talked about previously where you have a um a leasing of the battery, but you own the yeah. car type thing is a. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think there's so many different ways that you can approach this particular problem. Mm. I mm. it would be very difficult to be able to um, definitely say if they hold off or or continue with with upgrades. Yeah, um, and and we'll probably if-
0: see over time because uh, the the Nissan Leaf has a, a battery life indicator, so not like a battery charge indicator, but a battery life. So kind of like how you are iPhone now has a a battery health report, so you can say that it's at 91% of its um, original capacity. Do you think that to help with resale and to help with even warranty issues, I guess, um, it Perhaps do we see regulation coming down maybe from the EU in the future saying, hey, look, you need to actually include a battery health or a battery life indicator. Um, so when somebody goes to buy that car secondhand, they know yeah, that, okay. See. Because yeah. unlike a traditional internal combustion car where sure things get older over time, but you don't go from being able to drive um, you know, 500 kilometers on a fuel tank and then suddenly going down to 250 you know, when the car hits ten years old, compared to a, you know a, an electric car where the battery depreciates over, t- you know, it decreases capacity and, and wears out over time, yep. because it'd be something it'd be sucky that you know you buy a, a, a used Nissan Leaf and then the person said, oh yeah, I get about three hundred k's out of it, um, and, you go, and okay. then, yeah, and then you drive down mm-hmm. and you drive home and all of a sudden you need to recharge again. Um, Yeah, or they
2: could say, oh, I just bought a new battery recently or whatever.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, So you'd have to do essentially
2: like a revs check on a battery to see if that battery has been used for how many years and,
0: yeah. Because the question is around with this is unlike, um, like it it basically turns the battery into a a consumable. And so then the questions come around, well, well, how do we responsibly – service that, recycle it, um, how do you upgrade that. I know that uh, Nissan being early with the LEAF in Australia has sort of faced a few um, bits in the media about that and, the you know, the high cost of replacing that battery um, and, and, you know, whether should that be fit under Australian consumer law, all that kind of thing. Um, so I think it's going to be, and it's going to be an issue that will continue to... Um, to become, a, I think, an item of debate as we go on, and as performance improves, and and um, you know, what are the obligations of the the car manufacturer to issue updates to actually help preserve the life of the battery, or to enhance it, versus you know, yeah, putting it into a, a new model year. It'd be interesting. It's a, it's a I think it's a it's a it's a field that we haven't really come across yet in the automotive world. Um, I know that you know manufacturers every now and again will update uh, an up. You know, issue an update for your transmission. Um, I know that in the early days of the uh, A45, um, I owners were going every month or so to go. Oh, do you have a new update for the for the transmission? Because it would get better and better every time they issued a new update for it. Yep. Um, but it wasn't something that that publicly, you know, talking about. It was more like, well, if you take your car in to get serviced, they'll see that there's an update available and they'll throw it in most of the time you don't notice it but with electric cars every bit of performance you kind of tend to to pick up on
2: yeah you could even uh take it the in the opposite direction as well so if you take the example of tesla uh, removing those excuse me removing those upgrades from the car that was sold secondhand you recall that yeah yeah issue um let's say that you um understand the value of software upgrades to increase the life of your battery and as a result of that you get you know that's that's a financial return for you if you pay for that particular software upgrade. So they say, you pay 500 bucks for this upgrade, it'll make your battery last for an extra um, 12 months, mm. which will add $2,000 to the resale value of your car, yeah. for example. Yeah. Um, you know, then you get into that state where you sell that car to somebody else. Do they remove that performance mm capability from the battery management system yeah. because that person hasn't paid for it so yeah again a lot of um, changes in dynamics that haven't been investigated that um, I'm sure somebody's sitting in some office writing all this stuff down um, I'm sure there's <laughs> well, there plenty of people coming up on regulations recently,
0: and we can talk about it next um, next week if we want is actually also you know is the age of microtransactions for cars and so have BMW yeah. have toyed with this and they could possibly go down this field where they build in all the features and I I experienced this a little bit in the M235i where um, it had the the hardware to do the auto high beam, but that was a paid feature that I had to unlock in that car if I wanted it. So the hardware's there. They've already spent the money and put it in, and yep. it's just sort – of, and so now the talk is, like, well, they could do that with heated seats. They could do that with all sorts of other features, yep. and – if you buy it at the beginning, you might be able to get a you know a better. There's there's incentive for you to pay that money up front and get it. So that essentially
2: um, halved the cost of manufacturing parts. Exactly, and because they did to make the exact activation. same
0: car. Yep, there's no difference in terms. You might spec a different leather or something, but you'll pay for that, of course. But every car has a the the same average cost because it's all the same parts and then the the idea around this as well is that when if you've bought the car bog standard and then you've sold that car on you then give the opportunity to that second or third or fourth owner to actually then enable those features and to give BMW an opportunity to make money as well because when you sell that car secondhand, unless you take it back to the dealer, BMW, and, and that's usually the, you know, BMW Australia has already made, only makes their money from the servicing and from the, uh, by, by selling parts and from the initial sale of the car. Every subsequent sale of that vehicle they don't see anything from it. And so by having these, you know, following this idea of the the microtransactions if you borrow like a, a, a PC gaming sort of terminology. Yeah. Um, it gives them a chance to actually extract a little bit of revenue from that next person because you might make, jump in the car and go, "Oh man, I really want those cooled seats. I don't need heated seats, so I'm going to get rid of that feature and just enable the uh, the cooled seats." And just, pay yeah, for I'm not in Victoria. What do I want to heated seats for? <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah, so it's like I, I, I can see why I can see the way, and I can from a from a business perspective. But at the same time, I'm going. I really don't like. I really don't like microtransactions in video games. It'd be yep. worse enough to actually, you know, have that same thing in um, the, wor- in, the in worst. The worst thing is taking it to the taking it even further than what Tesla has done so far.
2: Yeah. Well, the worst part is, and it's the same. Like you say, if you if you rely this to to games, for example, all the free games have got a truckload of ads on them. So if yeah. you start making this. You know these microtransaction activations for things like auto beam headlights and all that sort of stuff. If you make that the standard and make it acceptable, then all the cars, all the entry-level cars, all of a sudden, are going to have all these options that they're going to have to pay for. Mm-hmm. And there mm-hmm. may be opportunities for you to earn that, like if you, I don't know, stick a Coca- Coca-Cola badge on your window or something. <laughs> That's not quite the answer, but you That's know fair. what I mean. There's yeah. all these other little things that you're going to have to spend now to be able to get something before that was already an expected mm. standard.
0: The um, only the, and, yeah. but the main and the main problem I have with that and it, it annoys me with video games as well is that they'll put the button there. So the button for the auto high beam is on the store. <laughs> yeah, that's there.
2: horrible. That's I a terrible it, tease.
0: <laughs> and if I hit it it pops up on the dash going, that's a paid feature. I'm sorry, but I just if if I bought that car you know, that's an that eighty thousand you would expect. And it then to happen. I'm getting told <laughs> stop being a stingy bastard, pay for the feature that you obviously didn't want at the beginning. Yeah. Um I uh, you know, it's like it's enough that you kind of, you know, most of the time, like even the Hennessy, you, you part of the upgrade, you know, part of that upgrade package, they include Hennessy decals. At the end of the day, that's kind of just that's just paying for you to actually advertise their brand. <laughs> yeah, that's it doesn't right add anything material to the vehicle yeah. except for just saying, look how much money and let me advertise for them.
1: Yeah, but it costs, um, you money, it costs them money to produce the stickers and put them on and everything else. So. Oh, yeah. But oh, hello it's, 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 it's yeah. But br- it's a brandy <laughs> exercise, you know, at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah,
2: so. absolutely. No to just think, love think it because that you like brandy. It doesn't matter.
0: Because, oh. yeah. you know, and, and going down that route should mean it makes the cars barrier to entry a lot lower because you're not paying, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, you buy the luxury pack where you don't and the best thing is at the end of the day is that you can't go, oh, I really wish we did. Well, good thing we can. Um, But I think it's a a dangerous, slippery slope of, um, you know, it's kind of like the reason why here in Australia we mandated Drive away pricing rather rather than the pricing you know the, the the list price like what we have to deal with. Yeah, yep. it's so it's clear upfront to the um to the buyer of what they're getting and what for what money and um, you know if you're playing a really cynical point of view you go well that's a a chance where they can kind of skirt around and say, oh look it's just it's just twenty thousand dollars drive away. But really to get anything worthwhile out of it you're spending twenty six, twenty-seven thousand dollars um to actually get something that resembles anything that you want. And you feel at the end of the day, yeah you get the car, but you feel a bit misled.
2: Yeah, and that's not really the kind of experience you want when you're spending this much money too. Like it's no. it's like people say, you know, cars are generally the second most expensive purchase of your life after your after your house. Mm. Or you know, maybe you buy investment properties as well, but the car is something personal to you. You don't want to feel like you've been You know given the short end of the stick you want to feel like you've done something good when you spend that sort of money Mm. well i do Mm. anyway so yeah i'd i'd find it particularly rude if i pushed a button and it and it said no yeah and and gave me a warning about hey no spend more money because we're not giving Mm. you the stuff that you've already Mm. got fitted in the car Mm. i would not be impressed with that at all
0: And, you know, it kind of goes, well, it it probably motivates other people too to to buy a code reader or to sort of reverse engineer it to just enable it for free. Um, Yeah. And then, you know, yeah, it, it opens up a whole new can of worms. It has a whole heap of... Um, different things it goes do you go too far and do you end up like the situation with John Deere um, and farmers in America and even here in Australia where they're sort of fighting this war um, to be able to you know if you buy the if you buy the tractor well you should have the right to do whatever you want with you know what's included in it Um, you know and to repair it and do rather than having to go through them and be you know essentially gatekept by the manufacturer yeah yeah, but look, it's- you know, we're not we're not there yet. we it feels like we're slowly creeping there. Tesla's certainly, um, you know, charging the way with that. Um, they do that with their by including the larger battery in the cheaper models and, and offering it as an upgrade path. Um, and even during natural disasters, they enable those that longer. Um, sorry, the, uh, the, yeah, the extended range capacity, during yeah. that time to allow you to, to get to safety, which I think is great. Um, but again, it's that thing where the, you know, uh, yeah, well, it's, if it's kind of,
2: it's, it's, the, a, the it's problem not is a
0: clear if, path going down that way.
2: If you've got a larger battery and you're not using all of its capacity, then you're carrying around extra weight, which is a cost to you. And that's not fair.
0: Yeah. 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 And also, then you got to think about, well, how does that affect battery life? You know, if you're not fully charging or fully discharging or anything like that. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's, uh, it's actually better for it. It's so not. Anyway. It's, it's it's not. It's not super. Yeah, it's not super clear cut. It is a. It's a sort of a bit of a, a muddy sort of direction, and um, yeah, it's a. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> But um, last bit of international news. I think this is uh, kind of a cool one. Um, GM have uh, won the uh, defense contract to produce the, the the U.S. Army Infantry Squad Vehicle, and I just think it looks like a modern version of something you'd see out of Mad Max. Um, very bare bones, very tough looking, um, and, and designed to pretty much take on anything uh, it's a two hundred
1: and million contract so um, for a car that looks I don't know it kind of looks like a side by side cross with a Hummer, I think and, and basically obviously it's designed as a fairly bare bones design from what you see from the yeah. imagery but it's obviously designed to probably be
2: oh, it'll sp- carry a lot more than
0: what they're showing on that
1: yeah exactly but it'll be spec'd up to carry other, area, other parts of Whatever else, but yeah, it's an interesting looking looking. So it's
0: 186 horsepower, it's a 2.8 liter Duramax turbo diesel, which I think is the same one that, the, that we had in Colorado's here. I think it might, yeah, wrong. Yeah, the 2.8 liter yeah. Duramax And a six-speed um, auto. So um, I kind of, when looking at the photos, I, I kind of, apart from the big cooler on the front, I go, oh, maybe did they go electric or do they go some sort of um, hybrid system to, to squeeze a little bit of extra torque. But no, they've uh, kept it fairly straightforward. And I guess uh, when you're on the field, you want a, a straightforward system. Um, to be able to a contract for...
1: 2000 vehicles so it's mm. uh it's int- interesting in terms of what they're going to they're going to do with it but yeah it's uh it's nice to see that going to someone to someone like uh GM to create that sort of stuff
2: so it is yeah based off the 2020 Chevy Colorado zr 2 oh, mid-size truck architecture Uh leverages 90% so commercial off the shelf parts
0: so how so ha- do, you, do you think uh someone would be releasing a uh uh, infantry squad vehicle kit for your Colorado.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so probably like the front would, end. Probably would. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, someone will just like gas axe one to pieces to make it look similar. <laughs> They'll just yeah. get a regular. <laughs> Over there, they can do just about anything they want to their cars anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh One not to be sling loaded from a Black Hawk. Well, they got a 12 ton lifting capacity, so that doesn't matter. Oh, six ton actually. Uh, compact enough to fit inside a CH47 Chinook. That's pretty decent. Yeah. Uh, Initial procurement, they'll buy more than two thousand of those. That's actually no. not very much for the US Army. Uh, Chevy Performance Suspension Parts. here. so it's not even a, it's not even a light armored vehicle. It's just a
0: no. Uh, Move you from one spot to another. It's just a truck. Which you know, and and, yep. and you don't uh, see this very often when it comes to US Army vehicles or any sort of anything which they do, um, where GM have actually gone and used. Like what you said, ninety percent off the you know off the shelf parts to build something. Off the shelf parts, yeah, yeah. Rather than going, look, we're going to even though we could use Colorado, we're just going to completely bespoke, you know, build it and then charge and it an exorbitant amount um, to do it. So it's um, it should it should prove that it's uh, it's it's certainly uh, reliable and um, can get the job done for what it, what they're designing it to do.
2: Yeah, it's quite strange. It's a, so it's an infantry squad vehicle. So, yep. so um, they're just going to they're just going to be running around deploying and then um, jumping out and and running off. So it's not really a it's not yeah. a safe transport vehicle like the hummers were. Not particularly well armored, but they were light armored at least for um, small arms fire. Yeah. Where this is, this looks like just a chassis. I'm sure they can hang some protection yeah. off it.
0: Well, looking um, at it, it looks yeah, like they, can... they, you could go for an armored version if you wanted, but. You know, yeah, as we know, normally with these things, there's like 50 variants that come later for all different purposes, um, as they see what it oh, could yeah, do sure. and that kind of thing. So, no doubt, we'll see in some sort of Hollywood blockbuster film in the next few years. We'll start to see these <laughs> oh, yeah, um, as part sure. of the next bit of propaganda, yeah, recruiting tour for the uh, for the army. Um, I don't know if they've got a Transformers film coming out soon. Maybe, maybe it'll be in that. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's usually GM too, isn't
3: it? Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, look, uh, I think um, most of us probably all know, if we uh, if, if you've made it this far, um, that Formula One is back this weekend, the Austrian GP round one, I guess you could call it, with a back-to-back happening um, straight after again. Um, so, FP2 is currently on as we're recording, and um, look, the early results have been interesting. Um, currently, as we talk, one hour to go in... Uh, FP2. Hamilton just took the top. Verstappen number two. We've got uh, McLaren seven and eight. Uh, Ricardo, Oh, he hasn't gone out yet. Ocon eighteenth. So um, yeah, it should be interesting. First uh, first race back, obviously after a very weird start to the year. Um, are we expecting any shakeups or? Business as usual, do you
3: think?
1: Like watching the first free practice, which we were watching just before we started recording tonight, it was some uh, interesting numbers. McLaren was doing better than what Renault was, even though they're effectively using the same power plant. Yeah, um, yeah, it was Haas was
0: outperforming Ferrari, I think, as well. Yeah,
1: exactly. And then also that Williams were outperforming Haas as well, and um, yeah, and Grosjean didn't even get a run. So
2: now, at least in this current <laughs> that's session, it's kind of, about. Part for the course for Grosjean, isn't it? <laughs> uh, and also, also the torpedo is still spinning off the track and doing little donuts on his own as well. Yeah, mm.
1: but it was interesting. There was all kinds of stuff for Stapham was. Uh, Battelle was fast out first. So, look, it, it's interesting. We're, we're finally getting a season start, probably sort of, you know, four months after we originally thought we would. Uh, but the exciting thing is, and as we've discussed before, this is a back-to-back weekend. We're going to get the same races, and, and we're going to talk a little bit in the next sort of bit talking about supercars. But having back-to-back races at the same track, it, it's going to be interesting to watch the results from this weekend to then see what happens at the next round, uh, and whether or not we see exactly the same thing happen again with the teams, or whether we see tweaks once they can get back onto the cars and, and do their adjustments and whatever else. But yeah, I, I'm I'm excited. That we've got the season starting. Um, we're going to see what um, what happens and, and what changes between weekends, and and yeah, it, it's 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 pretty cool to see. The fact that we're going to see multiple tracks, um, they're running at multiple tracks back to back. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. We won't see some iconic races. Obviously, we're not going to see Monaco. Um, we're not going to see Singapore. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be. It, we've got it back on it back on the on our screens. Uh, and for some other fans, I'll be able to get to see hopefully some later races in the season. Um, but
2: F1's back, baby. Cool. Yeah, live update. How's Pierre Gasly going?
1: It's ninth currently. Ooh. Yeah. Ahead of Leclerc,
2: so uh, excellent. And Patel's fourteenth.
0: <laughs> and it, Ocon and, just jumped him.
1: <laughs> and Danny Rick's in uh, on his out
0: So yeah, so it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that. Unfolds. Mm. Uh, so, what happened in uh, SuperCars? So, what's the, so bit of a yeah,
1: it's a bit of a shuffle. So, due to um, unfortunately the problems we're having in Victoria with with a small outbreak, um, SuperCars have decided to be smart and move. Winton has been postponed for a couple of weeks' time and they've moved it back to Sydney Motorsport Park. So we're going to get back-to-back events at Sydney Motorsport Park Mm. for for fans. Fans will be allowed in as well. They're talking about up to 10,000 spectators at Sydney Motorsport Park. But it'll be the first trial of the night race. They're going to do one of the races during that event in July will be a night race testing out the new lights at Sydney Motorsport Park. So that's pretty cool, the good to see that we'll see again, back at the same thing. So for teams, you know, they can effectively not have to do a a full reset. They can literally use similar setups to what they used at the last event. Um, So in terms of a cost-cutting exercise, that's probably going to be a bit easier for them in terms of just leaving the cars unchanged. Um, For Queensland and Melbourne teams, it's a bit easier. They don't have to cross over borders that are restricted at the moment. Um, But we'll get our first look at the uh, racing under lights. We'll get full under lights round at the end of the year when Sydney Motorsport was park was due to have their their, mm-hmm. their full lights event uh, so yeah that's uh, that's going to be uh, July 18 and 19 um, the talk is that people are liking the idea behind these two day events as opposed to stretching into a three day event uh, it's making things a little bit easier for the teams and mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that's uh, that's that's interesting, and the racing last weekend was was pretty popular. Uh, lots of good feedback about it. Had a couple of different uh, changes at the at the front end. Uh, Nick Perker had a it win. It was really good racing, wasn't it? Yeah, I didn't get a chance to catch any of it. Uh, I was a little bit tied up on the weekend, but from what I've heard and what I've read, it was pretty pretty popular and lots of good feedback. Um,
2: I watched all three and recorded them just in case I got interrupted. <laughs> <laughs> it was really good. It was great to see racing back, and they it, it was really good hard racing too, and everyone was respectful but skillful. It was everything a good supercar race could be. They had it.
3: Hmm.
1: Yeah, which is which is which is great to see, and and yeah, we're going to see it again in a couple of weeks. Um, but moving on from that, the, the other interesting thing that's come out this week is this um, new Peter Brock movie that has it's yeah. um, kind of been flying under the radar, and it's only kind of recently um, sort of we've heard talk about it, but then uh, it's it's actually now available to to rent uh, online. Uh, it's called Brock Over the Top. Um, from the previews and everything, it looks to be quite interesting. There was an interesting interview during the week on uh, the project on Channel 10 where they interviewed Bev Brock and, and talked about different things. Uh, unlike some of the other stuff that's kind of focused on Brock, it, it does, It's well, as a way to say, it, it's a warts and all story. So mm. apparently it, it covers different aspects of his career and talks a lot about... Mm. Every aspect of him, in terms of even some of the more controversial parts um, of when he was probably first married, and then obviously some of the stuff around the famous yeah
2: issues, yeah, some
1: polarizing stuff. So um, it's now available to. I checked it out tonight. It's available on Apple TV. Um, It's on Google Play for those that are uh, an Android person, and it's available on Foxtel's um, rental. Um, it's not cheap. It's twenty bucks to rent, um, or twenty-five, depending on where you look at it. Um, it was going into the cinemas. Um, I don't know how many cinemas around the country are currently open. Maybe check your local cinema if you want to go and watch it. But yeah, it is available to rent uh, only. Rent. Uh, it's a shame that we can't buy it because it'd be one of those things I think you'd want to watch probably more than once because it'll be probably a fair bit of stuff for sure. But, yeah, but it is it is available now. Uh, and my plan is possibly, depending on how my weekend goes, to try and find some time to try and check it out because uh, mm-hmm. I'm intrigued to watch it. I was a, th- I, w- I know that a lot of the, the purists purist and that aren't a fan of it, but I really enjoyed the Brock. TV series, um, it covers lots of stuff, but this is different. It, it's a, it's a more a doco than a than a movie, um, with lots of interviews with people and, and stuff. So I'm intrigued to watch it uh, f- to see what he said and to look at it from you know a, a different view into his career and what he achieved and what he did and m- maybe some of the darker side of his career from what I've mm-hmm. been what I've read. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued that that is, uh, that is now out. Um, the other thing we've had this week is that uh, the WRC have released their adjusted calendar. Uh, they've had lots of events being cancelled this year um, and, and postponed. So um, we had a couple of rounds at the start of the year. We managed to get through Monte Carlo, Sweden and Mexico before COVID hit. Um, but we have the rest of the season now scheduled. We'll have a Estonia starting in September. Turkey in late September and then into Germany in in mid October, Italy in late October in in late October and then finishing in Japan. So we'll get eight rounds if that's the case. Um, there is talk also of a Belgium and a Croatia, Croatia Croatia rounds um, may be added to the calendar. Um, but it's good to see that we're getting more sports. Um, Imza is back as well. Um, you know this Bill stuff is building talking about Indy um, there was some images released during the week of um Fernando's car for the Indy 500 uh, that's been pushed to August um, so yeah motorsport is starting to come back um, a lot of it is without fans uh, unfortunately but it is the safest way to run this at least we can get motorsport on tv um as as f1 will be this weekend um so yeah we're we're starting to see that return to motorsport um so yeah it's uh, for us f1 uh, us motorsport fans we're starting to get something to watch Mm.
3: it's it's good for uh, the teams too because
2: because, Mm. yeah yeah i mean it's obviously it's it's entertainment for us but it's also livelihoods for people as well so you know a lot of these teams would be struggling not Getting any revenue, um, you don't want to see um, like twenty-three red dropping out again. You don't. You don't want to lose more teams. Just, I mean, obviously we've got to be safe, but uh, like I said, it's people's livelihoods, and we want to be able to make sure that this is a um, a sustainable pastime because we do. I I enjoy it. It's it's definitely one of the things that I look forward to after you know going to my job all week. Um, you know, it's it's good to see that um, you can you can get entertainment. Rather than just having your life and and doing your job every day, you know, you don't want to go to da- You don't want to fill your life up just with work. You've got to have a bit of play. So, um, and I know for these guys too, it's it is their life, and I I'd, I'd imagine they would be incredibly frustrated sitting around twiddling their thumbs, not being able to race, um, or not being able to fix cars or whatever those uh, each of those people's particular responsibilities are. Um, but yeah, good to see the motorsport uh, families getting back into back into the business they love and I love. Yeah,
1: no. Yeah, exactly, and for for us motorsport fans, and, and particularly for the teams, as you said, Mick, you know, it's good to see them be able to get back out. Um, obviously, the the season is now running on a on a fairly limited thing with back to back events and stuff like that. But at least it's easier for them to get to. Um, we were talking before about just you know what it's like now, seeing all the the people in the paddock with masks on and stuff like that. So it's good to see that. Obviously, the COVID protocols that the championship is running is you know pushing that that aspect of having masks. I just saw briefly on the the thing marshals at one of the Marshall points wearing masks. Um, I've seen a couple other grabs of photographers and stuff like that. So um, you know obviously they're pushing hard on this on this protocol and, and I think that's kind of going to be our life moving forward. Is that masks are going to be part of our um, our life moving forward over the next probably 12, 18 months because mm-hmm. it's going to be the safest way for everyone to participate in what we love um, and be able to, you know, move forward and, and have, have our events happen.
0: Yeah. Well, I think uh, on that note, I'm going to uh, sign off and uh, <laughs> watch the rest of the practice session and um, enjoy the first weekend back and um, sort of speak get yeah getting back in touch with uh, somewhat you know different future that we face but you know with some some familiarity because it's important as well so um look yeah, thanks uh, thanks again Joel well thanks again Joel um, and Mick Uh, you can follow uh, Joel Strickland at Joel Strick Photo and uh, Mick McWilliams at Low Flight Tech Uh, you can follow everything that we're doing at Daily Autofix and um, as we said if we have any questions or want us to review anything particular um, you can email us at shows at dailyautofix.com uh, but until then next I'll week... You uh,
2: engineers, about my uh, <laughs> Mazda <Master> drivetrain <laughs> explanation.
3: <laughs> That's
0: right. <laughs> I look forward to those ones. Um, but, well, in, enjoy the, the weekend of motorsport, and, uh, yeah, we'll see you all here back
3: next week. See you next week. Thanks, gents. Bye.